Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Oh, happy Thursday. A weird Thursday. Weird week in general. It's so strange not to have an NFL game. Listen, I know your players need your rest and everything else, but do we have to take bye weeks? Yes, we absolutely do. I need more football. Well, you have some football tonight. You have a, a barn burner between the Oakland Raiders. Or... I don't care about them. I really <laughs> Los don't. Angeles Chargers? It doesn't do anything for you? You know, I, I, I will tell you this. I'm like, I've said this for a long time. I, I am, I love sports. I love the stories in sports. I love watching sports. I love going to sporting events. I love all those things. But I don't know, admittedly, if I love it from a viewing standpoint. In, in its general nature, mm-hmm. as much as like you listening in your car or you or my kid or anything. Now, I used to, I used to be the guy, throw the remote at the TV guy. Yeah. I used to be watch every single thing, whether it's water polo, horse <laughs> racing, field hockey, it's everything. aggressive, okay. You know, whatever. But like that's what Ty does. Ty will be, he'll have something on. I'll be like, what is in the world are you watching? Yeah. You know, so, but I used to be like that. Okay. So I get it. Yeah. But now I'm the guy, and I have to question myself as a fan or uh, or, or a lover of sports sometimes, because listen, I'll watch the game tonight because, quite frankly, there'll be nothing else on to watch, and I'll be doing work, and mm-hmm. it'll be on. I won't be glued. I'll be I won't be locked in, but I'll be watching the well, game. Brent, let, I, let's get some scouting in here. The Jaguars are playing both, both these teams, teams coming up. That's so a good. I thought about that too. A little bit. But what I'm trying to get to here, and very slowly, is on Sunday. I will not sit on my couch and watch football all day. It'll be my first chance to do that this year because yeah. we're usually covering the Jags. But my guess is I won't. Now, I might, yeah. but I probably won't. Uh, I don't know what I'll be doing. I mean, kids have ball this weekend, so maybe that's why. But I'm not even saying, like, if I don't do that, I'm not going to Sunday night. I'm not going to text them, but I can't believe I couldn't watch the games today. Like, I won't be that. Okay. I won't. Now, I'll check the scores, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'll follow along, and I'll watch as much as I can watch. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to be watching something else. Mm-hmm. But if I go play nine holes on Sunday yeah. for the first time in a long time, yeah. I might do that instead. Good for you. And I'm working Sunday, so I'll watch a lot of football from 4 o'clock until midnight. Yeah. But that 1 o'clock game, like, I may miss that. And there are a lot of people in my shoes that would be able to sit there and watch all the games that probably will just sit there and watch all the games. That's what I'll be doing on you Sunday. Will. Oh, you, yeah. So do you watch all that? You just sit on Sunday, like, sorry, I Ronan, yeah. sit, sit oh, here and watch well, with me, man. Listen, either my family minds their P's and Q's and they, they stay silent and watch with me, <laughs> or else if we have some distractions going on and I can't keep track because Daddy's got his DFS lineups and you know, Daddy's got his fantasy football stuff he's got to check. So <laughs> if there's any kind of distractions, well then they they will be exported to the you know to, to the, the family room or like the, the bedroom where they, can, where they can watch whatever they want to watch. But I will be watching football uh, from about 1 o'clock until you know, 7, and then I will be watching Watchmen on HBO. So it's a pretty much a, a full day of football and uh, other HBO entertainment. Exported is better than deported. And exported uh, feels like I'm editing something <laughs> there we go. right now. I try to make it sound as good as possible. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, the So you're that guy. But now, all right, let me ask you this. Are you that guy because you love fantasy football? Of, of course. Yeah. Like, if I had no stake in anything and the Jaguars were off, 
I probably wouldn't watch a, a full NFL slate because yeah. to me, like, and uh, that's the funny thing too, because even when I played, Brent, like, I was never the biggest like watching Monday Night Football or watching Thursday Night Football. You know, like to me, when I played in the league, I almost had to get away from it a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, it, where it was my job, and the last thing I want to do when I come home is like go over my job and everything like that. And this was kind of the start of fantasy football being big back in 2010. You know, and. I didn't take part in it. I honestly didn't see all the hype around it. I was like, it sounds like the dumbest thing ever, especially since I'm playing it. And it's kind of the same thing with like the Madden thing. It would have felt better if you could score touchdowns and well, rushing yeah, yards probably. I think that would have been a little better. <laughs> Plus, like, what, what, what kind of teammate am I if, like, if I have a guy that I'm playing against who's like a wide receiver or tight end, you know, like all of a sudden I'm playing against Gary Barnage and I'm like supposed to cover him, but I got him going to fantasy football. <laughs> that you know? is like, a conflict of interest. It's just a conflict of interest. Depending you know on how saying? much you paid to get in the league. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm not saying I did that at all because I didn't play fantasy football when I played. And then like two years after I retired, I still didn't play it. You know, I was just I was indifferent towards football. I, didn't, I wasn't really watching. I was following the Jaguars here and there, but I never really got into football until I started playing fantasy football. Okay. Until, until bragging rights were on the line, then I'm like glued to it. Well, it goes to show, though. I mean, seriously, fantasy football and gambling yeah. have popularized the NFL more than anything. I mean, we yes, football's fun. We like mm-hmm. it. It's it's. It's fast moving. It's violent. It's all those things. And I always think people have an appreciation. And even if they don't want to admit it for something that they can't do, probably. Yeah. That other people do, mm-hmm. you know, and you probably, like I said, again, I always say I wouldn't sign up to do that. Sure. So I think a lot of people wouldn't quake that far, what I say, but they know deep down they couldn't do it. Even if they used to be able to play flag football or high school football or even college football, there's a lot of people that if you really ask them, say, I could not do that every Sunday. So I think people appreciate that about football. But no doubt it's been popularized by gambling and fantasy football and well, made people tune in. And and I think I told you the other day, you know, we're watching that game on Monday night. Yeah. And uh, like it's way past bedtime or whatever bedtime is. I don't even know anymore. Yeah. But. Ty's like, Mom, this is important two minutes. Yeah. Dad's got, <laughs> Dad's got to win by six and a half points. Yeah, He's like, yeah. I'm not, basically, it was like, I'm not going <laughs> to bed. Family tradition like no other. <laughs> it's like <basically>. sports gambling. <laughs> and by the way, I didn't have money on it, but it was yeah. for like a pool out of it. So, sure. But I needed the Cowboys. And so this was a vital two minutes to tie in a game that was a blowout. Yeah. And it was bedtime. And it didn't matter if phone was taken away or anything else, but yeah. it trumped everything. And, and here's the best <laughs> thing, Brad, because you, you've been like the shining light through all of this because when you offer me the job with ESPN 690 radio, that that was my life preserver. Right? Like, yeah, it's it's one thing if I'm watching football on Sundays, I gotta tell my wife and kid, yeah, I'm doing it because I can win maybe extra, an extra 20 bucks on DraftKings. Like, they were really buying into that excuse. But now I'm watching football on Sundays because I have to do it for the show. And sure, my wife could really go this weekend, what's what's so special about the Bills and Browns game? Will you guys talk about it? And my response will be, Brent's a wild card. Brent goes everywhere with these games. He, he, he might bring up some Brown stats. I got to be on top of it. I got to watch this Bills and Browns game. So what you're basically saying is I'm a home wrecker. Yes, well, home wrecker or uh, or an NFL procurer, whatever you want to call it, man. But I'm I'm happy. Yeah, there's a lot of probably a lot of wives around the sports yeah. office, folks, or, or significant others that yeah. don't really like Brent. It's my job, man. What else can I say? Uh, that is a good excuse. So glad I yeah. can throw you that lifeline. Uh, you are right about that. And there is some truth to that now. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's why I'm trying to be a little honest. Say, yeah, there's a lot of things I watch because we better watch them. Yeah. And know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, I really don't have to. I'm not coming in tomorrow, most likely, and talking a lot about the Chargers and Raiders. Correct. Now, if ESPN wants to hire us, you know, to go across the country, I'd yeah. watch that game 
front to back and, and be ready for it. But mm-hmm. we don't have to do that. Yep. So we take a glance at it, watch it a little bit. It's kind of like the NBA, right? I mean, you oh, yeah. brought up the NBA, so I said, I haven't watched two minutes of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Well, I did actually last night, a little yeah. bit of the Rockets. But um, so that, it's it's just funny how that, that works out. It's the same, though. That changes. Uh, you know, you said something about playing fantasy football. Yeah. Or about watching other games. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if, I think to a degree, everybody's like that. You know, if you're a, a waiter or a waitress, you go to another restaurant mm-hmm. and you're always like looking at the other, how they serve you in that restaurant. Yeah. From that position. Of course. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I would imagine football players do like, hey, you can't watch a game without why they play in this defense. Or oh, yeah. Why would you play that call? Why would you make that call? What a swim move. Or, you yeah, know, yeah. just totally different than yeah. the way we watch it. Well, and that was the thing. Like, I kind of broke down the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, I would probably say 99% of the country watched this past Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Rams, and it was a snooze fest. You know, I mean, the most exciting thing about that game was Adam Levine taking his shirt off at halftime. <laughs> and it, I'll tell you, spoiler alert. Did nothing for me. Yeah, okay, I was like, I was indifferent towards it. But for me, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm watching what New England's doing. I'm like, wow, they're they're, they're pressing the the wide receivers. They're stopping that bunch formation. Dang, you know, like I was excited for it. Now, yeah, I would like to see a little more scoring. But from that perspective, Brent, obviously, I'm a defensive minded guy. So anytime I can see a great defense on display, I'm a fan of it. Yeah, and you know, I was gonna bring liking it to my world. Like yeah. when I, I'm 20 years in this business, and I would watch early on. Oh, I shouldn't say just early on. I'd probably watch all the way up until maybe seven, eight years ago. Uh, everybody else's sports cast in the market. Wow. Okay. You know. Yeah. So first of all, I'd, I'd watch mine. Mm-hmm. You know, get better. Kind of review the tape. I probably should review the tape more now. Check the say, tape. Dude, yeah. you suck. Bunch of fixes. But uh, but he used to do it every show. Yeah. Like every show. Like mm-hmm. when I got off the air, I'd watch it. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, you just want to watch yourself. Well, what the hell's the difference between you watching your game tape? Really, you know, yeah. I mean, there really but, isn't. But let me ask you this, though, Brent. So, like, like you said, like watching my own game film, where I'd watch other players. Like, obviously, I would watch like maybe like uh, JJ Watt or somebody, yeah. you know, and I would see what he did in a game, and maybe I'd use something he uses and I'd add it to my game. Like, do you do that when you when, especially when you're coming up in the game? Were you doing that with like you know broadcasters? Because I feel like you can do that and take some things away, but at the same time, I feel like you have to be unique to who you are yeah. and, and that's what makes you special well and don't you too though you can take jj yeah. watts move but you might not be able to perfect True. it so if i'm sitting there trying to per- perfect jj watts move yeah but doesn't mean you might not have a wrinkle well, of it or a flavor of it a taste of it yeah and i think that's more like it you know i think you grew up i grew up knowing that i wanted to do this so i watch guys since i was 12 years old sure you know broadcast yeah and i can sometimes when i say something even during a radio show mm-hmm. or talk on tv i can almost say oh my gosh it kind of sounded like when I watched Brent Musburger back in, like, you know what I mean? It <laughs> yeah. didn't sound, I'm not trying to say I sound like Brent Musburger, yeah. but that was something like I remember hearing him sound like that a little bit, or yeah. a sports anchor in Providence growing up, mm-hmm. or I was like, wow, that kind of had a flash of that. You yeah. know, that, that. I must be, sometimes I think you subconsciously get that stuff. At end of the day, I mean, you do too. I mean, if you had somebody that you learned from in college or somebody that, that kind of brought you up and, and you're going to be like flashback to what they taught you, what they sure. might have said to you. You always bring up Joe Cullen on the show. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's an there's uh, I mean, everybody's got that. I, I would imagine in every job that they do. But I would watch every other broadcast, every other broadcast in town. Be like, hey, what did they lead with? What did mm-hmm. they show today? What did they now? I just don't do it. I mean, one, we just don't have a lot of time to sit yeah. there and doing that. And we should. I, I say to our folks all the time, like we really should go back and watch a show. And we don't do that very often just because mm-hmm. time kind of starts going fly by and you're on to the next thing. But we probably should. And if you think about your world, do it all the time. 
Without a doubt. I mean, yeah. you do, and you, like you said, you watch other teams, other mm-hmm. people. You'll watch that game. If you were a Jags player tonight, mm-hmm. I would think you'd want to watch that. Now, they live in such a 24 hour and just week to week league and mind frame mm-hmm. that I'd be surprised if they look at that game like that. But like, I know Calais is a, is a football fan. So Calais will be watching that game. Mm-hmm. But if you ask like 50 guys in that locker room, I'm not sure they'll watch it the way like Calais will watch it. You well, know what I mean? And that's a good point too because you got to think. So say you're a defensive lineman like I was. Like if you were to watch like the national broadcast, to be fair, you don't get a lot out of that because all the camera views are different and things like that. And of course, you have to watch you know the the opponent's defense as well. Where as opposed to if you watch like the they call it like the rush cuts or like the all twenty two film. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then that's where you get like a, a much better view of what what your job would be on that play, right? So usually how it works is after this game, I assume, because the Jaguars getting ready. Well, they're not going to be focusing on you know the the Chargers or Raiders right now. They have the Colts coming up, but when when, when they break up those cuts, it won't be the the TV broadcast cuts it'll it'll just be cuts of you know of like the i forget what the camera view is even called but it's basically the camera view behind the center you know so you can see what's going on all right yeah. uh, i do have a bi-week question for you coming up and really the big question today uh we'll get a little antonio brown i mean he is he's the news of the day once again it's like he can't get enough of himself mm-hmm. so he has to tweet out and uh, i don't know if i believe him or if he's just looking for attention. So the latest on Antonio Brown. But I do think the Jags topic for today is something we didn't get to yesterday, and that is what can they fix? Now, we talked a lot about red zone. I get the red zone numbers, but what? where can they get better to go 5-2, and 6-1? and one? Do they have the wherewithal to do it? And kind of what are they missing? Like we said a week and a half ago or so, they don't have too many bad spots on their team, like spots that are going to cost you football games. Mm-hmm. Like before you could point to the quarterback maybe or the offensive line. I don't think they're costing them games. But where could they elevate themselves this year going forward to make a solid football team, at least on paper, be a really good football team? Like what are they missing? Uh, I want to get into a little bit of that today. We'll have some college football talk, a little NBA, a little load management. Yeah. <laughs> I could use some load management in my life. Yeah, where are we at with the load management, man? We're sitting here busting our humps. <laughs> I got. How about this, too? Balling and falling. I might not have told you this, what but you we might have like a di- different segment today. So okay. you might have multiple balling and fallings, but balling and falling on every quarterback in the NFL. All you got to do, I'm going to go list. You got to oh, say wow. balling hey, or falling. Thanks for the email for, well, for this I, one. Hey, I did send an email, and it did have that in there, but it was this morning. So it might have got lost in your 50,000. And then hey, Scott, Brad, who's in Brad, for Brad, Coos, come on. might have just said, I haven't even looked at that thing yet. <laughs> uh, my email's still loading, man. I've been out of town for a week. I know. All right. Uh, when we come back, care. we get it all rolling. Star Star 690 is always the number. Jump on in if you wish. ESPN 690 rolls on on a Thursday. Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and in the iHeartRadio app. Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brett Martino, Austin Lane. Coos is out for another wedding. Wedding number 423 of the year. It's a lot of friends. Secret to life, people. I don't yeah. know how many times I have to tell you this. You don't have too many friends. <laughs> Stop with all the friends. Hey, come on now. It's a great opportunity for him to mingle and see some people he hasn't gotten a chance to see for a while. And it's an opportunity for me to mingle and see some guys I haven't gotten to see for a while. There he oh, is. That's Scott. Well, Scott, don't get it twisted. We love having you here, man. You you are the closer. We always go to the bullpen, and we expect a great game out of you, and you always come. So we're happy to have you here. 
With Kuz, though, this is like Brent said, this is like his, not exaggerating, 20th wedding, perhaps, it, it seems like. I mean, it's got to be crazy. It's yeah. probably not as many as it feels like, sure. in all fairness to yeah. him. But it's a freaking lot. It is. Yeah. And here I thought I was cool because I had like got invited to, I think, three weddings this past year. And um, that's about it, too. Like, I don't have any weddings on the horizon. Like, all my friends are married now. I guess I have to get out there and make some more friends, bro. Listen, if I were Coos, somehow Nicole seems to like him. Yep. I-, I would ban going to weddings. Oh. And just get married myself. Okay. I like that. That's probably the way Coos should go. Don't you put go. that evil on him, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that evil <laughs> well, on him. Here's the issue, though, man. Way, I'm all for Nicole right now. She's dropped off these 82 Tiger yes, Woods did. buttons for us, too. So we like Nicole way more than Coos does. Oh, ouch. Well, and that's the thing, too. I feel oh, like no. Wait a minute. That didn't come out right. Yeah. We like yeah. Nicole way more than we like Coos. <laughs> go and take a mulligan on that that's one. There you go. There, there you go, Brent. And we're back. But, but I will say this, too. Live Sorry, radio, guys. Live radio. <laughs> and, and, and Coos isn't doing himself any kind of favors i'm not sure if he's trying to stall in the wedding game i mean that's his business whatever he's trying to do that's his you know that's his spiel but every time you take a girl to the wedding like whether it's a girlfriend or even acquaintance dude every wedding that they go to they start getting the thing in their head where it's like oh this is nice i'd like to have this one day and then when you take her to 20 of them dude she's like she's ready i feel like yeah but, her head is spinning exactly <laughs> no, where's no the ring? taking let's just do it where's the ring let's go yeah you know it was fist pumping probably it's like Kuz's family and Nicole's family, they're all waiting probably on the same thing. Oh, yeah. It's been a little bit now Yep, for them. And well, one last question. We'll get on some sports here. Because it's going to happen eventually, we can assume here. You think me and you are getting invites? If you think me and you are going to be in the wedding? Oh, I don't think we'll be in the head wedding. Head table? We're, we're at the head table? Well, first of all, I hope I'm not in the wedding. I don't want that oh, responsibility. Wow. You can have it. Head table, baby. Secondly... We'll probably have to be invited, not wanted to be invited by sure. them, but they'll probably be like, it's, we'll be on that list of like, well, it's, it's one of those common courtesies. What if like, we did the show live from there, though, and you guys could do the play by play of the ceremony? Yes, that, now that, hey, you're onto something. That might happen. I like that. Get married on like a Friday or something, I like guys. That. And we will do that. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. But we're probably like, you know how like the, you make that wedding list and depending how big a wedding you're going to have, and it's been 20 years for me now, so, and I didn't really do much with it. But the, uh, the list of, well, we gotta have them. Those are family. True. Oh, we really want them there. And then like, well, I guess we'll invite them. I mean, what if we don't? That would look bad. But maybe they won't bring the other person with them. Of so course. it won't cost us like another 50 bucks or 70 bucks or whatever they cost yeah. now. Yeah. We're on that list. Gotcha. They want like like they'll want just you and I to go by ourselves. I got you. You know, and no, not, that's not happening. Probably not. No, I'm bringing my wife, my my son, possibly some other friends that I have. We'll see. The beautiful thing about Coos getting married, we now know this working with Coos for the last ten, eleven months. The moron's going to get married in football season, <laughs> so we're probably not going to be able to go anyway. Going to be on a Sunday. <laughs> He's going to be on a Sunday. He's he's one of those guys that are getting married on, like, Masters Sunday. Yeah. Right? It's going to be a 2 o'clock <laughs> on a home game day. And... Uh, I said moron lovingly, by the way. Yeah. I know uh, you did, but that's, it's a lot of love. I mean, you, you know, that, that's got to be the worst, though, right? When you get Being married. Oh. No, you got to oh. get married and, like. Yes, the only, that is the worst. The only dates. <laughs> yeah, the only dates are, like. The Masters, or think about like a Sunday yeah. in football, or it's LSU Alabama. Can you imagine if people in Alabama are getting married this weekend? Oof. That doesn't happen. They won't even no. take reservations. No, not even close. 
Nope, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, I remember that ESPN commercial where it was like Roll Tide, where they all got married and they're yeah. all saying Roll Tide together. So, yeah, I feel like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of weddings happening in Alabama. This weddings week. canceled. Yes, <laughs> because LSU and Alabama are one versus postpone. two. We'll say postpone. Yeah, that postpone. sounds a little better. That does. Uh, hey, Scott, good to have you today, man. How about thank, Scott? Thank you. Now listen. We get Coos, who tries to get out of here as much as possible. Scott's coming back from London last night. Yeah. He had a little vacation, cuts it short, because we need somebody on the board. True you... story. Got to do what I got to do, man. Wait, he had to come back early from London? Well, well, no, 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 he was coming back. Oh, okay. I was coming okay. back anyway. Yeah, but... that's coming out of your paycheck. Okay. <laughs> I was like, dang, man, that's dedication. But, hey, man, I did get the premium upgrade on the flight last night, so that was cool. Oh, it nice. was a, a long nine-hour flight, so I got to rewatch the whole Batman movie saga all over again. Nice. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay, man. It's coming off of a, a long flight and a short night, but it's been a good day so far. Good. We appreciate you being here. Nick would have been here doing the board, but he's sick. So, yeah. uh, so Scott's MVP right now here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. So you had a good trip to London? Oh, had a blast, man. Even though the game didn't really go according to plan, um, still had a good time for it. Yeah, and you've been back-to-back years to London. True story. Do you uh, mind the food over in London? Uh, It's okay. I had a little bit of a taste experience with a a friend of mine I visited up in uh, northern England, so I got a taste of some of the authentic cuisine. Uh, Haggis, not for me. (laughs) Uh, Fish and chips, that's my speed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apparently, um... Flying rat is a thing there. They eat pigeons. So, you know, so, really? okay, cool, whatever. Wow. wow. I didn't know that. I didn't have that. You know, people complain about the food because it's so bland or whatever, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm just not, I don't complain about the food much. I think the food's fine over there. No, no, but no a lot good. of people, um, like, oh, right now they're like, what are you talking about? Just because bland and a lot of people don't think. Yeah. Okay, English pizza needs some work. They There's room <laughs> for improvement there. Yeah. But otherwise, it was a good, it was a good trip. I guess if you get fish and chips, you know what you're getting. Yeah, and, don't and, stand by. And that's a good standby. All right, hey, man, uh, the Jags, by week, they self-scout themselves. Mm-hmm. When you were playing, how much changed after the bye week, into, after that self-scout? I'm sure the coaches tell you they're self-scouting. Yeah. And so do do you remember anything significant? Would there be – is are these subtle changes? Are these play-calling things mostly for the offense that they might – uh, lean on more than that they didn't. They they got away from something they wanted to do. Uh, I get the self scout; it makes a lot of sense. But what about on the flip end? Do you, will we see some changes that are noticeable from the Jacks? So I think on defense, you know, we we've kind of broken down the identity a little bit, and even though they didn't really have a lot of success um, in their last game against Houston, I feel like their defense would probably stay the same for the most part. You know, now injuries could always change that. Um, and we'll see with injuries coming back now if, if Hayden will be back, which I assume after the bye week. Uh, Quincy Williams, we'll see where he's at. But I think their defense, for the most part, is going to stay the same. That's generally how it goes. The last thing, and I get it, you have time to prepare, but even on the bad teams that I was on, like we never you know, hit the panic button where it's like, oh, well, this is like completely not working. we got to switch it up now. You know. And I think if you rewatch the Jaguars' defense, this, these first, what is it now, eight games? Nine games. Nine games, thank you. Um you know, and and you can nitpick Todd Wash if you want to. You know, I mean, I, I was pretty critical of him not blitzing more. But overall, especially in the run game where they've been giving up some long chunks of yardage here, it's the fact that just guys aren't doing their job. You yeah, know, it's, it's fit stuff. It, it, it is absolutely fit thing. stuff. Yeah, it is absolutely fit stuff. So I think from that perspective, 
can you clean that up during the bye week? Not really, because guys will be on vacation and guys probably won't be on the field, you know, working on their, their footwork, their steps and their, and their gap integrity. But as soon as they get back, I think that'll be the biggest thing, especially on the defensive line is, hey, we have to work better on staying in our gaps, having good eye discipline and using good footwork and handwork. And there you can clean up a lot of things on defense. Now on offense, that's another story, right? Because we broke down yesterday a little bit the red zone offense, ranked 31st in the NFL. Not acceptable. Not not going to go to the playoffs with the 31st ranked red zone um, offense in the NFL. So from that perspective, and you have Nick Foles coming back now, so the playbook you would imagine is going to open up a little bit more. So I, from my perspective, I think we see a lot of changes on the offense. I think we see a lot more formations. I think we see a lot more motion. Um, and I think they're going to open up and obviously put, 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 put the ball in Nick Foles' hands more because, like we've talked about, Leonard Fournette having a hell of a season. But a lot of those runs have come on just, you know, 70, 80 yard gains. He, as far as the consistency is concerned with that offensive line, you know, you haven't really seen the push where it's five yards, six yards a pop. Now, there's been a series like that or two, but overall, um, if you want to evaluate the first nine games, me personally, I haven't seen that. So I think we're going to see a lot more in the past game, actually, on offense. All right. Uh, more of that, uh, where, what you're talking about, and we'll do that on the other side. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What would you change? What do you think the Jags will change coming out of this bye week, if anything? And a small example of this is a few weeks back when they weren't creating any turnovers, they put a huge emphasis in practice. Now, it wasn't a bye week. wasn't a self-scout. Huge emphasis, like every practice, according to the players, of turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Well, it took a couple of weeks with that emphasis, but they ended up getting the seven turnovers in two weeks. Yeah. So it's more what you're saying there is how much will they hone in on something and just pound it and pound it. And everywhere you look in the hallways and, and you know, your plate at lunch might have it underneath it. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. one of those type of things. Just a reminder of what they have to do. What else will change? And I think you were on to something with some of the formations and also Leonard Fournette and this offensive line. Let's talk about it when we get back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Star Star 690, the number 904-362-9901. What do you think the Jags need to change the most? And don't call in and say winning. I get that. We'll have the discussion next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, listen, we're talking about weddings over here, okay? <laughs> Wedding fever is taking over ESPN 690 studios. It's unbelievable. Maybe we should start planning. This could be a new side business for us. Whoever <laughs> thought sports radio could have wedding advertisements? Yeah. Well, it, well, it, well, in case you want to get started, man, my my mom used to make like the chair covers for weddings, so we have an in right there. Oh, sure. well, yeah. they take advantage of the resource you've got too. I'm sure Coos could provide all sorts of guidance. <laughs> of course, yes. Coos could be a wedding planner by yep. now. My I mom like plays it, the violin at a lot of weddings. Dude, done. I mean, done. We got this thing covered. Done. But so funny, Steph said. Before the conversation, like she didn't know what we were having conversation about. This is about 20 minutes ago now. Yep. She says, our wedding song just randomly played on my phone. Yeah. And then she texts again. She says, okay, wow. Then I turned on the radio and you're talking about weddings. That's crazy. <laughs> so that's because people are spying on us, Steph. Yep. They are watching. Big Brother's they always are watching. listening. What was the song, by the way? Um, 
Uh-oh. Way to go. Way to go, oh, man. On the spot. Stockton to Malone, and he ended up turning out to be Muggsy Bogues all of a sudden. Dang. I already know it. I okay. Well, oh, for a second, I was like, wait a minute here. Make sure I get the name right. Are you, are you going to say it? Was, uh, George Strait. No. George Strait? Cross my heart. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. We're going to need a phone in verification of that, please. Nice save, Brent. Yeah. That was close, though. So. <laughs> Well, I thought I was giving you a layup here, man. Wow. Yeah. Like, Stop here, listening to the radio staff. Here, I'm tossing you a softball, man. And you think I'm Roger Clemens or somebody. Come on, man. That was one of those you, moments, by the way, that Austin looked at me and he's like, uh-oh. Oh, Did yeah. you see that bird explode over the plate oh, right there? Should have went there. My bad. Uh, that's so funny. You know, I tried, I think about this from time to time. That was 20 years ago. I'm still a country fan. I'm not like this huge George Strait fan, but obviously that was the song we picked, and um, and I love the song. But uh, I better start saying nice things in a hurry. And uh, <laughs> but I kind of think about this time to time. Like, what would I pick now? Mm. Like, would you pick the same song? And I don't even know. Like, I'm not yeah. even giving you an example. I'm just curious. Yeah. Like, what if you got married right now? Like, I'm still a country. I, I like country music. Sure. So I'd probably say, pick something from that that would register. Mm-hmm. Um. I just don't know what that would be. Fair enough. Did you have a wedding song? Yeah, well, it was a song that I proposed to my wife um, at a music festival with. So that, I that's mean, right. You that told that story. Kinda, yeah, so th- that one's kind of like, you know, smacked was, in the legacy. Yeah, that was yeah. super personal. Exactly. Um, so if you hadn't done that, yeah. would it have been some like that? So you could ask the same thing. Kinda, Man, probably right? like Old Town Road or something now, you know, like really, really uh, get fresh, you know, with the with the whole next generation of the memes and everything. Really, really increase my brand, if what, you will. What is the hot wedding song? Oh man, go because you're asking you know, the wrong dude there. There's always, I'm sure that changes like year to year. Of course, like, yeah. So uh, there might be like the new hot wedding song and and whatever genre of music. Yeah. Um. Probably something from like Post Malone. Like, like kids like my age or younger. Probably like Post Malone, man. Um. Like. Circles or something, maybe? I don't know. I'm, not, I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know. Uh, I'm willing to put money on it that it's not better now. But, yeah, good call. Yeah, it's not better now. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, jump in. Let us know your wedding song if you're out there. <laughs> uh, like a modern one. Yeah. Something that I might even know. But, uh, all right, let's get back to the football talk. Yeah. I'm better at that, kind of, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Brent Barno, Austin Lane. Scott's in for Coos, who we got on wedding topics because he's at another wedding uh, somewhere in Jersey. The... Uh, you mentioned what they would do with Foles in terms of formations. I want to uh, expand on that a little bit because I think you're right. I could could that open up some more? There was some creativity, I think, in their offense already. I'm not harping on that. I think John D. Filippo's done a nice job. Mm-hmm. There are very few times where I said, damn, that play caller. This yeah. offense coordinator stinks. Or I, I've not said that a lot. Yes, every play caller has bad plays. And you really don't like the plays as fans when they don't work. Well, that could have been the fault of the offensive line, the quarterback, the running back, the receiver, whatever. It might not even might have been a, this close to being a perfect play call, mm-hmm. and we just don't know. So that's that it, that comes with that territory. But I do think you're right. I think you'll see more movement on those four formations. I wonder what Nick Foles can do pre-snap that maybe Gardner Minshew might not have been able to see pre-snap given his inexperience at the position and in the NFL. And to that degree, I also think pushing the ball down the field will be something that Foles likes to do, won't be afraid to do. And you, you're going to say, oh, wait a minute, Minshew had a bunch of explosive plays. I think you're right. He did. 
But a lot of those weren't like out of the pocket design, let just let it fly. A lot of them were on the run and the explosive plays he helped create. There's nothing wrong with that either. Mm-hmm. I just I think there the Houston game was a clear indicator, whether it was the play calling or Gardner's decision making, that he wasn't letting the ball fly, especially in the first half, first three quarters of that game. Weren't we all saying that kind yep. of watching that game? You're like, what the heck? Isn't the secondary supposed to be weak for Houston? They're banged up. Go at them. Let it fly. And there wasn't a lot of that. Uh, the offense seemingly was more in a box. How much of that was play calling? How much of that was on Gardner himself? I say how much of that was having 20 plays in the first half and really not getting enough of a sample size to see much of anything. So I think in general, we'll see Foles take more chances down the field. I think this could be good for Chris Conley. I think he could get involved a lot more. We saw that connection in August. But I think what you said going back to that prior was, and this wasn't kind of the same discussion, mm-hmm. is what they need to do better is start moving that five yards a clip, four and a half yards a clip, not just the eh, two and a half yards here, two yards, three yards, and then bam, break one for 66. That can be effective too. But I think you want to know what you have, and I think this will really help in the red zone. They have got to find, if if I'm their self-scout, I'm trying to figure out how can we run more consistently with Fournette? What are the go-to plays that we can lean on and get four yards a pop to be able to set up third and two all the time. And then we break that long one, and maybe it's only 52 yards instead of 68 yards. Absolutely. You know, and when we talk about maybe opening the playbook a little more, kind of changing up that offense or at least tweaking it, I think a big thing that you have to consider, and you have to look back to when Foles was having a lot of success in Philly, when he had Chip Kelly, you know, at the helm, and he had his best year overall, he was a pro bowler, or when he led the Eagles to a Super Bowl. Um Kind of going back over some stats and everything and looking back at those teams, they had one thing in common, Brent, and that was the running back position being a receiver. You know, now Leonard Fournette has taken strides um, to be a receiver in the backfield. He he is a dual threat guy now, without a doubt. He, he is a true bell cow, and in the NFL in 2019, you don't get a lot of those. And I think Fournette has done a fantastic job of getting better in the receiving game. I mean, he was always pretty good, but I think he's taken the next step this year. But I think they can even ask more of him. I think he's a guy where, listen, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, you know, they had, whether it was Wendell Smallwood, Jay Ajay, Corey Clement, Darren Sproles, they're all getting receptions out of the backfield, you know, because sometimes when things break down, the running back is a quarterback's best friend in the receiving game. So from that perspective, you know, I think Fournette's averaging maybe four or five catches a game. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him start to get seven or eight catches a game, just because I think he is such a weapon in that backfield, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. I'm listening to you talk uh, a little bit, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, they don't have the tight end group that they want. Uh, Mm -hmm. You wouldn't sign up for this tight end group, all due respect to the players. Uh, I mean, I think Seth DeValve had four catches on Sunday. Uh, That's not how you draw it up if you're an offensive coordinator, and good for him, and they're, they're doing their best. But since you don't have that weapon, and who knows, Josh Oliver, middle of the field. One thing that we've talked about a couple of times with Gardner Minshew is the – I don't know if it's the lack of want to, the inability, the not recognizing. I don't know what it is. But if you look at his chart, I would say the middle of the field has not been a frequent visitor Hmm. with Gardner Minshew passes. Yeah. Again, I don't have stuff right in front of me. I'm just thinking of some of our conversations, some of the stats that I have seen, like those next-gen kind of stats where it pinpoints where they're going. Balls on the outside. Yeah. Good balls. Accurate. You know, a lot of big plays, all that stuff, but not a lot in the middle. Is that Gardner? Is that the lack of a tight end? I think mm-hmm. we might find that out a little bit more with Nick Foles and try to and, – and by the way, six games, 
He didn't have Josh Oliver. So your best tight end, Gardner Minshew, didn't have. Correct. Again, this is not anything on Minshew. It's where does this offense evolve a little bit even more? And as, is it because Josh Oliver now has a few games under his belt? Is it because Foles and his experience and he's going to let it fly down the middle of that field? He'll throw that pass that might be there. But from a rookie perspective, young guy perspective, it might look like it's a dangerous pass. Mm-hmm. Well, Foles has experience knowing, okay, you can fit that one in or not. Simple things like that. But when you're saying about Fournette, you almost wonder, because they'd love to have three, four, five, six catches to the tight end, and they really don't have that weapon mm-hmm. at their disposal until Oliver proves himself, that those balls do go to Fournette. You know? Yeah. So you utilize Fournette more, not like a tight end, but because you got to sprinkle that ball somewhere else. And so instead of putting it in the tight end's hands, you put it in Fournette's hands in the open field. You know, there's a big play in that football game in Houston that a lot of people say, hey, it was a tough pass. But I still think, and I've applauded Fournette for an unbelievable first half. I really think he's been great. But he should have caught that ball on third down, in my opinion. Tough catch or not. Correct. And he's had good hands, and he's done so many good things. But he didn't. And I think that was a bigger play than people want to let on. It was another three and out. That was a chance. He was in the open field a little bit. That was going to move the chains. They were going, I think, to get in Houston territory on that play. Mm -hmm. You know, probably going to make that play. And they need to make those kind of plays Uh, especially in a football game that was kind of designed that way where they weren't on the field very much. They could have stayed on the field, kept their defense off the field. Who knows where that drive leads them, and the whole game kind of shifts. But those are the kind of plays I'm thinking more of. Uh, And then I think of the other one where where Fournette was in the middle of the field all by himself on a third down, I think it was, Mm -hmm. and Gardner didn't see him. Yeah. So you take those two plays, one where the quarterback didn't see him, one where I think the running back messed up and didn't catch it. Well, those are two more catches for Fournette. And by the way, that's about 25, 30 yards worth of catches, first downs. Where does it lead to? I mean, it, it's such a domino effect in the NFL, especially on the offensive side. Without a doubt. you know. And when you're talking about how do you use Leonard Fournette even more, because let's be honest, he's on the field pretty much the entire game. Now, every once in a while, Armstead will come in and spell him, but they're asking a lot of Fournette. And I think when we're going forward... Like I said, like he's not a guy you're going to split out wide like an Austin Eckler or an Alvin Kamara. Like I, I just don't think Leonard Fournette's game is built off that. You know, he's he's more of that big bruiser back, and he may not be the most agile guy on the field, but he's got the breakaway speed. Um, he's got the power. So this is a guy that you want to implement. You know, whether it's on third down and yeah, maybe keep him in for a second to to max protect, but then get him out and you know on a route, especially against a linebacker. And it's interesting too what we haven't seen, Brent. And I think we'll see a lot more of this too after the bye week. Is if you look at the history of John D. Filippo and Nick Foles, you got to understand. All right, so they're coming from a Doug Peterson offense, right? Doug Peterson was a coach under Andy Reid, and Andy Reid um, spent a lot of time in Green Bay, you know, and that, that kind of philosophy there. Green Bay and Kansas City and Philadelphia. What do they all do? They utilize the screen game. And I don't think I, I can't even really count on my hand how many times I've seen a legit screenplay from the Jacksonville Jaguars going to Fournette. You know, we haven't seen a lot of them. I mean, can you? I haven't. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I don't remember. I will say this. I think in the last decade, there's a good chance the Jacksonville Jaguars have been the worst screen team to ever play in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, they, not to say they haven't had some success. I'm sure 2017 they had some success. But if you go back to the early 2000s, it was awful. They could not run a screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 I'm sure there are some people out there listening, shaking their head. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Going to run the screen. And it yeah. seems like the most basic play in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's probably not as basic as I think it is, but it still seems like everybody does it. Yeah. Uh, so I like your point there. Yeah, get them in 
Get him the football well, in the open space. And he's not your open space guy like you think of an open space guy. No. But he can do some damage if he's in a one-on-one situation or just with a little breeze. He's shown that. That's, to me, where his biggest step up in mm-hmm. 2019 has been. He's shown an elusiveness that people wondered if it was there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't there last year because of the weight that he had on. He has shown the ability to get away. I mean, he ran over some guys, stayed on his feet more than he's ever uh, been able to do. So I like what you're saying there. I think the simple screenplay would be nice which i'm um, is that a rookie thing i mean is it hard to throw the screen as, as a, no, as a no. rookie quarterback? I, I mean in my opinion i don't think it's a rookie thing i mean i just don't know if because like i said it is weird because peterson loves to run it you know and where, where he learned it from andy reed andy reed loves to run the screen doesn't yeah. matter who the running back is back there so i have been a little shocked that we haven't seen a lot of screens i don't know if it's like just a personnel thing where they don't feel confident with their offensive line getting them out in space you know i mean you do have a younger uh, guy in juan taylor you have a guy come off an injury in Cam Robinson. I don't know if that makes the big difference well, or not. Maybe but. I'm just thinking a lot as you're talking about it, and maybe a little bit of that has been, hey, they remember all the penalties early. We talked about a yeah. bunch of times and again yesterday. Those first three or four weeks, every time there was a big play, and it mm-hmm. might have been even a screen. Now that I can't even remember, it seemed like there was an ineligible man downfield, a holding. So the offensive line was doing some things that. They were negating big plays, yeah. scoring plays and explosive plays. Well, that's calmed down in the last four, five, six weeks. They've, they've played much better in that regard. But maybe that scared them away. See, and I think that's where the self-scout goes in. Maybe they had designs of doing some of that stuff more, mm-hmm. and then they were like, well, this isn't working, so we shut that book. Yeah. Well, it's time to open up the book again and say, wait a minute, maybe we got away from this. That does happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, John Filippo. somebody brought it up to him. Again, this is like the next-gen stat stuff, but that they had run to the left and the center. Uh, remember we had Demetrius Harvey on uh, from Lockdown Jaguars. By the way, he's at Big Cat Country now. Congratulations, Demetrius. Nice, man. But he had talked to when we had him on. Actually, you weren't here. I was out in Baker County yeah. for that conversation. I, I, I know but, who he is. But they had run to the left and the center yeah. for like, I don't know, let's throw a number out, 575 yards. Mm-hmm. And to the right, like a yard. <laughs> and and right. it got brought up to Filippo in his news conference. He's like, really? Like, he, it was kind of like. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, it's wow. You know, I don't know what. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much they maybe he was playing coy on that or, or yeah. whatever. But my point is the self scout will bring things when you're on the grind. Mm-hmm. You're the everyday thing. You over you miss stuff. You yeah. miss stuff like we might be in the grind of a show and we said, hey, we talked about it at two fifty five and now we forgot about it. You know, true. I mean, that's their life, too. So that's the point of sitting back and saying, all right, what can we do better? And what have we forgot? Or was it just revisiting something that we said we were going to do, but we're really not doing? Yeah, you know, and it's funny you bring that up because analytics, whether people are all about them or they just think it's a dumb thing with math and science and numbers, whatever. But analytics get used a lot in an NFL, uh, you know, meeting room. Um, when we're talking about like on even even on defense, you know, for instance, let's go back to the Jaguars red zone real quick. So traditionally when the Jaguars run, say it's like, you know, they're on the three or four yard line. And I was kind of breaking some film down last night watching the red zone uh, footage a little bit. And I noticed that the Jaguars have no problem. You guys doing homework. See that? Oh, yeah. You know, I always do that. So the Jaguars, when they want to run the ball, Brent, they have no problem basically bringing two tight ends. And, you know, it's, it's like a big tight end or like an offensive lineman. But they basically essentially have nine guys either on the line of scrimmage or, you know, just a a yard off it. So it it looks like it's like a field goal unit, basically. And they have tight splits, you know, they're not, they're not split out wide. And when they, when they have that, you know what's coming because the analytics are going to tell you if you're a defensive coordinator, listen, if this big formation comes in, probably nine times out of ten, 
It's going to be a run. Probably run up the middle, you know? So teams catch on to that. And especially when you're in the red zone like that and everyone's, you know, basically foot foot to foot, like smaller splits, and everyone's on the line, well, there's not a lot of room to move. I mean, all it comes is just driving people back. So analytics get used all the time. So listen, I'm not sure if DiFilippo is just being coy with that comment or not, but I guarantee there's a defensive coordinator in Indy right now that's saying, you know what, they love to run the ball here on first, second down, or they, they, they like to run the ball here by the guard and tackle, whatever it is. They, the teams are going to know like where they like to run, where the honey hole is, and if that's the case, you have to find a way to counter that. Yeah, and listen, I get it. some of these. St- there's so many stats out there. There is, you know. So yeah, I could see how a stat could slip through and, and might, and, and maybe it's even changed. I don't even know what the update to that stat is, but I, I get your point. And actually, more specifically about that point, we have said countless times over the last month. I mean, it goes all the way back to maybe I don't know if it was the Houston game, but it seems like they run better out of the spread stuff yeah than they do when they're up bunched together and i think a little bit of that is this offensive line has been good in pass protection been pretty good Mm -hmm. the ability to move someone a yard when you need a yard hasn't necessarily been the strong suit well and here's the thing the most important part brilliant you mentioned because i agree with you yes they have ran the ball better i think out of the spread it's if you're on defense especially on the defensive line and you're in that spread formation what happens? You don't know if it's going to be a pass or a run. When you have nine guys essentially on the line of scrimmage for the Jacksonville Jaguars and they're all in the three-point stance, I bet they're going to run the ball. You know, if I'm a defensive lineman, yep, here comes the run. I have to get lower than the lowest man, use my footwork, use my hands, and drive them back. All you got to do. But when they're in that spread formation, when you don't really have a, a key that's going to be run or pass, well, then you start second-guessing yourself a little bit. Is it going to be run? Is it going to be pass? Man, I better have my proper footwork here. And when you do that, Brent, that's where the holes open up, in my opinion. All right, one last thought about the uh, some of the rankings, okay? Interesting. Ranks, Jags are 12th now in yards, especially after that poor performance. I think they were 10th mm. uh, in, in terms of offense, but they're 23rd in the league in terms of scoring. Yeah. So that tells the story. Defensively, they're 16th giving up yards, but they're 11th in scoring defense. And so a final thought on this whole topic. We didn't mention the defense much. My point of this is their offense isn't broken. Yeah. Right? They've got Leonard Fournette leading the AFC in rushing. They had a kid come in and play quarterback, and he played really good. Mm-hmm. And... They're 12th in yards. They've got to figure out the red zone. They've got to do some things better. Third down is another one of those downs. They need to score more points. I didn't really mention much well, about fixing the defense. You started with that because yeah. you don't have to fix much. Is it simple as that? Do you think they just won't change much? Blitz more, maybe? See, yeah, and that's the one thing. In my opinion, listen, if, if you want to be a good defense, you know what you do well, and you just keep on doing it. If you want to be a great defense, if you want to be a top-five defense, you have to cause turnovers. You have to swing the field position. And if you want to do that, and if, if you're into analytics or you're just into watching a lot of football, you understand that when the Jaguars send blitzers, when, when the Jaguars create pressure with more than four guys on the defensive line, they create turnovers, they get sacks, they get interceptions. So from that perspective, I would blitz a lot more. Jags are 25th in the NFL in turnovers forced. Hey, when we come back, we're doing balling and falling in a different way for every quarterback in the NFL. Balling or falling? Next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. 
and juggle that fantasy football lineup around a little bit. Yes, sir. Do what you got to do. Who would you play, Goff or Phillip Rivers? Uh, who is each player? Well, obviously, Phillip Rivers playing tonight. Who is Goff playing against? And is he at home? That's a big tell. I don't know who the Rams are playing. I mean, do you just want me to make your roster for you here, Brent? I well, I don't. I don't really care what you say because I went with Rivers and I'm not changing it. Okay, that's fine. But don't, golf plays at Pittsburgh. Don't don't listen to the guy who's undefeated in fantasy football. That's fine. No, I'm too stubborn to do that. Yeah. But I had some guys on bye weeks and I had to change things around. Yeah, it's the way I'm it usually just proud goes. of myself that I actually did it. I still have to get rid of Robbie Gould. <laughs> but like, was that hard to do? Like, he had to push a couple buttons. Like, Brent, you're not meeting these guys in real life and cutting them <laughs> from your team. It's going to be okay. I just I just don't have it on my radar. I got you. So yeah. luckily I went and got my hair cut today and had a minute to sit down and look through my apps on yeah. my phone. And I was like, oh, shoot. Good call. Well, that's the thing, man. Especially with you, like, having a minute just to sit down, I feel like it's kind of rare in your case. So. Yeah, well, I can make time for three clicks on I'm a fantasy app. <laughs> I should be able to do that. All right. Uh, how about this? A little balling and falling. Yep. With all the QBs in the NFL, and go. No. <laughs> um, the I, I'm going to leave the Jags out of it because it's such a weird situation, right? We would sure. say, I think overall Minshew balling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, well, now he's falling because he's on the bench. Yep. But let's leave the Jaguars out of it. Uh, I'm just going to go right down the list, man. Hit me with it. It'll be interesting to see what what we think about it. Yeah. Josh Allen. From the Bills. So, but not the defensive end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. So here's the thing. Bills are six. I mean, do I have to go like super fast, or can I kind of break it down a little oh, bit? We got a couple hours. Oh, okay, I got you. So, <laughs> Josh Allen. Jags aren't playing this week. Yeah. So the, I ain't talking college hoops. Okay, cool. So we got a little time. I Listen. mean, Gators are playing freaking Vanderbilt. Are we really breaking yeah. down that game? <laughs> I mean, Florida State stinks. Yeah. And they they'll hire a coach someday. Yeah. I like yeah, it. I mean, take whatever the okay. you want, really. And uh, are you going to say Bonner falling too, or is just my opinion? If your opinion as well. Well, mine matters okay. more, so okay, yeah, so I'm going to say mine. So, Josh Allen, if I look at the record of the Bills right now, I'm saying balling for sure. If I look at his QBR rating right now, I'm saying falling. But to me, Josh Allen, and I, despite what the numbers say, despite what the analytics say, I think Josh Allen's balling. Really? Yeah. You're trash. <laughs> Brent, they have the highest red zone efficiency <laughs> in the NFL. Um, I think he's a dual threat guy, so you have to add that to the mix. And let's be honest, the Bills, they're, they're, they're a run-first team that plays great defense, low-scoring games. I think Josh Allen is doing uh, the best that he can right now with the wide receiving <laughs> core. And, uh, go, go ahead and name me one wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills right now. That's a good question. I don't know. I know exactly. <laughs> That's a really good call. Thank you. Uh, I don't. No, I'm going falling. Yeah. I think he's holding them back a little bit more than anything else. Interesting. And, and I know they got a, a good record, but is anybody out there really buying the Buffalo Bills? No. I mean, I'm, I'm not personally. I mean, really, if if he could have played, this would all flip around if he could have beat the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Would they lose like 16 to 10 to that game? Yeah. And and he was terrible in he that was. game. So yeah. to me, like when you're playing that kind of team, you're holding them back a little bit. I'm going to say falling on Josh Allen. And by the way, like I said, he ranks 31st in the NFL in QB rating. 31st. You know what's interesting about this? It's a great topic because, like, and uh, this is me being a little hypocritical, but I would have probably, if you asked this question a couple of years ago about Blake Bortles, and they were 6-2. and two, Balling. I've been said balling. <laughs> now, listen, like last year when they were 3-1, and one, Blake was balling. Yeah. He had he had beaten the Patriots and he had looked good against the Jets. He had had a bad game against Tennessee. Yeah. But uh but anyway, scar tissue be gone. There we go. I say 
ball, fallen, you say ballin' on Josh Allen. Correct. Uh, can we even, uh, wait, let's just move right past this one. Russell Wilson. Ballin', ballin'. yeah. Is he the MVP? Yeah, yeah, I think so. From from the team's record standpoint, from his numbers, I think it, it's it's the complete mix. So I'm yeah, I'd probably say MVP so far. All right, Deshaun Watson. I tell you yeah, what, man, balling. I saw last week, and and he's had big time moments. Mm-hmm. They do disappear sometimes, though. The Houston Texans, they own mm-hmm. weird spots. But again, the big play against coming off that huge play against Oakland to win that football game. Yeah, and then I thought he was brilliant. I, again, I have to keep telling people, you know, the other team played well. The Jags did stink. That was a bad game to watch. Sure. And I still believe that first half, the reason they got 20 plays was less about the Jaguars and more about Houston. Mm-hmm. And that set the tone for the entire game. And then they botched the third quarter drive. And that had to do a lot with Watson. You talk about executing a game plan perfect, perfectly. I think there's not a lot of difference between what Deshaun Watson did Sunday morning as to what Lamar Jackson did Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give that to you. And keep in mind, too, I want to see a Deshaun Watson where he takes the game completely over because the success that he's had this season has been predicated off their ability to run the ball. And, the, you know, they've had a pretty good run game with Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. So I wonder what's going to happen in a game where a team comes in, they completely shut down the run game of the Houston Texans, can Deshaun Watson put it in his own hands? I think so, but we'll see. All right. Uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is like this is like Alabama and the Patriots. You're you're supposed to say they're the best team in the I league, know. best well, team in the country. Listen, I haven't gone to the Super Bowl. Okay, uh, can, can I ride the fence on this one or not? No, I gotta, nope. All right, then go. Give me balling. Because uh, I, I still think, look at who, who does he have at wide receiver right now? Like Dorsett, Mohamed um, Sanu. Well, well, Muhammad, they just got Mohamed Sanu. I think and Antonio Brown for a couple practices. Listen, I, I think the pieces that they have. It's weird to me because, in my opinion, Tom Brady should always be like the top three quarterback in the NFL, right? Because that's the guy that he is. He can elevate guys like Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman. Like, he can take these no-name guys and turn them into superstars. And Edelman, for the most part, I think, has had an okay season so far. But I think from a collective standpoint of that receiving core, this isn't the usual Patriots offense. So I think the run game is absolutely fallen. It's probably one of the worst in the NFL. But as far as the passing game, Tom Brady, I still think it's balling. Well, the thing about it is they don't want to be a passing team. Correct. Isn't that the crazy thing? Exactly. Right? Everybody thinks Tom Brady. This is a weird cycle of Tom Brady. He's been there so long. If you go back to when I first covered the Patriots and I was in Providence in those first early years, this wasn't a Tom Brady throw it all over the yard team. Mm-hmm. It was a defense, Bill Belichick's a genius team, and the offense would do enough. They could run the ball, various guys, and they could throw the ball in key situations. And, you know, Tom Brady might have been like 20 of 27 in a game for 245 yards and a couple of touchdowns, no mistakes. Mm -hmm. They win the game because their defense was good and they were doing everything right. Well, then they evolved to throw it all over the yard, throw for 5,000 yards, throw for 50 touchdowns, Randy Moss catching passes. They got guys all over the place, Gronkowski. Now, in the last couple of years, I think they've reverted back. They want to run the – last year, they were a power run team. Correct. Nobody wants to admit it, or a few people remember it like that because Tom Brady's still the quarterback. But they were a power run team, and they won with their defense in the Super Bowl as well. Remind you, they only scored 13 points. Mm-hmm. So this year, I think they want to kind of be that, that, you know, Brady give us whatever he can give us. But without Rob Gronkowski, their offensive line actually is not that great either. 
And that's something to keep an eye on, The back, this stretch of games. This is a 4-5 game stretch where they play teams. They go to the Eagles. They'll play the Houston Texans. They, they have those kind of games that's coming off a loss against Baltimore. Their offensive line now could be something to keep an eye on in terms of long term of getting them to the Super Bowl. And because Brady's not going to make the plays that Sean Watson's making, Gardner Minshew was just making, Lamar Jackson's making, Russell Wilson's making, he's running for his life, but he can make those plays. So that's something to really keep an eye on is the offensive line for the Patriots. That being said, I think I think Brady is falling. Okay. I mean, I think a, a, the whole – first of all, when you're at the mountaintop, there's only one way to go down, Yeah, right, is down. And and he's kind of in that. Now, he's not, he's not nosediving. But I do think the, the clock is ticking. And the stock is dropping, and a lot of that is because they don't have everything around them they need right now, from receivers to a good offensive line. Let me ask you this question before we continue: you you have an you have an option to take the first five quarterbacks of whatever you want to say. You're you're building a team right now to go to the playoffs, go to the Super Bowl, and uh, you have five options. Is Tom Brady one of those five options as the top five quarterbacks you want to put on a, an NFL roster for one year? For one year, this year? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If I can go win a game, again, I think it's important to have stuff around him. Yeah. Uh, I, I think in a lot of ways we're going to get, like we talked to Russell Wilson. I feel like Russell Wilson's carrying them. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson's kind of carrying them. He has Hopkins, but they're, you know, offensive lines, but eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hyde's doing well. But if you feel like they're carrying him. Tom Brady, for a time there, he senses like he was carrying them. I don't think he can do that anymore. I don't think that's the case anymore. But I think he can be very good. The the telltale sign to me with Tom Brady is if he's lost it or not. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he's dropped a little bit. Mm-hmm. What he's lost it or not is the fastball. And mm-hmm. that dude can still zip a football and throw a fastball when he needs to. And that's a huge thing. That's why Peyton Manning had to get out. The injuries were bad, but he couldn't throw a fastball. Mm-hmm. And he never had a fast fastball, but he couldn't be Greg Maddox anymore because of the neck injury and everything else. And you can anticipate so much, but in that game that's getting faster and faster by the year, you uh, you better be able to zip the fastball. And that's what always has impressed me about Tom Brady is he's been able to do that. And until he can't and he loses some of the arm strength, I think he's going to be one of the quarterbacks I would pick. And re- I thought you were going to ask the question, win one game. And if you want to, and all the Patriots are going to have to do is win like two games Correct. in the playoffs. And he's still that guy for me. You can have Patrick Mahomes. You can have these other guys in January, win me a game mm-hmm. and I'll take Tom Brady. And I'm not sure I care if he's playing with, with me and five of my friends yeah. on that offense. I think Tom Brady's somehow going to figure it out. All right, go a couple more. Yep. Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, to me, he's like Mr. Consistent. I, I still think he's balling. Um, you look at that team, you know, I mean, I think he does what they ask him to do with what he has. I am thinking he's balling. I think he's balling, too. Yeah. I feel like he's having a uh, really good year. And keep in mind, this is a guy that's never had a run game, Brent. Never had a run game. Now, Detroit's weird, man. They feel like they're so close to being pretty good. Yeah. And yet, eh, they're still just okay. Mm-hmm. But I think Stafford's good. Uh, we said Deshaun Watson. How about Phillip Rivers? Ooh. So to me, I still think he's a good quarterback, but I think Phillip Rivers is actually fallen. And that's not necessarily all on him. I think it's on the standpoint that Keenan Allen's been hurt. Um, Hunter Henry was out for the first, you know, I think five games. And the fact that now with Melvin Gordon back, they're trying to really just force feed Melvin Gordon the ball, uh, which is ridiculous to me because you have a good, good guy in Austin Eckhart in the past game. But whatever the reason, they're force feeding Melvin Gordon. So I think their their offense has been stifled a little bit, hence why the offensive coordinator just got fired. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I would be surprised if he if he's balling the second half of the season. I was going to say, started to ball a little bit last week. They yeah. moved the ball very well last week. Couldn't get in the end zone mm-hmm. early in that game against Green Bay, but they were up and down the field. Let's watch tonight. Phillip Rivers might be finding himself yeah. right now, and uh, I think he leads the NFL in passing and keep in, in terms mind, of yards. Th- th- this is my MVP favorite because I figured the Chargers were going to have a great season, and I figured because of that's Phillip Rivers, and right now, not an MVP candidate in my I, eyes. I believe the reason why their slow start and, and everything else and hit some of the, probably the red zone stuff has crept up on them. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where they stand in the red zone, but I think he's leaving stuff out there, but I think he's finding his groove. Yeah. I think the, it, you know, if you ask, if we did this two weeks ago, I would have said fallen. Mm-hmm. I think he's balling and he's about to really ball out. He's going to play his best football over the next few weeks, which is not a great sign when they come to Jacksonville uh, in December. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We come back, we'll go through some of the other quarterbacks in the NFL. Balling and falling. Can't wait to get some of these young players and see where they are at. It'll show you how things change. We did a lot of the veterans so far. We'll talk more about them uh, coming up on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Don't be afraid to jump in. Plus, some journey tickets we're going to give away. That's on the way on ESPN 690. I'm Kevin Rahm, and this is Action Sports Jacks. Hey, what do you say we give away some journey tickets coming up August 24th? The beautiful thing about next August 24th is you could be at Journey. The other beautiful thing about that is you've got just about every holiday, anniversary, birthday to be able to give those tickets to someone special or take them. Like a certain radio producer that, you know, you may love and see infrequently. Well, <laughs> all you have to do is be caller number four, Scott. Which I feel like the you number can have nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one or star star six ninety. And uh, you've got yourself some journey tickets. So, Scott, leave the building <laughs> and call in. <laughs> Uh, don't do Checking that. Checking my cell phone now. <laughs> uh, do not do that. Uh, caller number four, nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one or star star six ninety. And you can win some journey tickets uh, and get ahead of the calendar. August 24th is the show. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, John Bachman checks in. And John Bachman's got a serious news story. Before we get to that, just a real quick thought. We're doing balling and falling for all the quarterbacks in the NFL. And we have already gone through some. And I'll keep stretching while he's on the phone. And so he can activate your mic, John. But we're going to get to Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, yeah. So I want to see balling or falling. So, Austin, you take us there. Uh, balling or falling for Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> so, no, you know what? <laughs> I, uh See, if I if I could ride the fence on one quarterback, oh it, it it really might be Kirk Cousins. No, his mic's on. It's Mike will be on in a second. And thank God, and thank God it's not on. Brent, and this is great right here that John can't choose talk. Choose to ride the fence here. I would love that. I have my saddle all ready to go. Because here's the issue. So when you're talking about balling or falling, I put it on a you know his whole career. And last year, a lot of people said that Kirk Cousins underachieved. He had some great numbers, but overall, the Vikings, they weren't, you know, the best team in the NFL. So if I compare it to this year, he got off to a super rough start. Um, Adam Thielen came out, who's like the most humble guy ever from Minnesota State, Mankato, and was like talking bad about him. So you knew Kirk Cousins was in the doghouse. But now Kirk Cousins has come out and he's done better. So is he balling or falling? 
from uh, balling. Yeah, balling, Brent. Balling, and here and here's why he's balling. Hey Scott, is his mic on yet? Talk to me, Bachman. Hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me, America? Still not on. How about now? My mic's on, so you can hear me. Yeah. Hey, I, I got the red light. I'm in. Oh, I'm here. There we go. All right. All right. So you Thank were you. riding the fence. Hold on. Now I just want to recap. You were riding the fence, which you gave riding me brief for. Um, I think it was just two days ago. <laughs> yeah, I think it was yesterday. And, no, two days ago. Yeah. And and then you decided to 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 jump all in on balling for my man. Yeah, and a lot of it's going to have to do with Adam Thielen's going to be out for a while with his injury. If Stefan Diggs can stay healthy, if, they, if the running game can be as good as it has been. But overall, yeah, I think Kirk Cousins is balling. There All you right, go. So here's the thing. I, I agree with you, but I, I got to ask your opinion on the on the Kansas City Chiefs game because here they are, more or less, winning that game for the whole second half. Yep. And then somebody decided to take their foot off the gas at least from what I could gather, I didn't actually get to see the whole the game because it was not on here. But um, and and then and then they and the Chiefs took advantage of it and won in a last second field goal, yeah. meaning the Vikings had a chance to go down the field and score and couldn't. Yeah, I mean that isn't that what your your quarterback's supposed to do now? Was well, that play calling? Was that, I mean you know? So listen, the bottom line is he's got 16 touchdowns, three picks, and a rating of 112. The so, guy's yeah. balling. Boom. Yeah. All right, well, Brett's cutting to the chase. I like Thank it. you. But John, just to get back to your point real quick, Adam Thielen was out, right? Yeah. Um, he's got. The three Kansas, other stars to throw to, though. Well, yeah, but Kansas City Chiefs are vulnerable on the ground. Yeah. You know, they, they, they give up, I think, yeah. the most rushing yards or second to most in the NFL. So, yeah. yeah, Delvin Cook, I get what they're trying to do, but still, you have to try to win the game. There's an intangible around quarterbacks that can't be figured out, measured, whatever. It doesn't matter uh, how, how you want to suggest it. And if you think you know it, you probably don't. But that is, can your quarterback be a glue guy, a guy that rallies everybody, makes everybody else better, all those things? I think that's the biggest question mark with Cousins. Cousins has talent. His numbers his numbers last year were ridiculous. I mean, with Filippo in charge most of the time. Yeah. I mean, he has like 70% completion rate, something like that, 4,000 yards. I mean, his numbers were great. But in the moments you need to win, late, can you be clutch? Or can other people play better around you late in games when those three, four plays decide a football game? He has not been able to prove that. That will be that's the big and against the big right games too. In the big games against the the good teams, that's where to me, you know, it's yeah. still a question mark. Well, and that's fair. Like I was surprised they lost to Kansas City, but I mean it's also the NFL. I mean it's twenty six twenty three. But Matt no Moore's Mahomes, been around. No Chiefs Mahomes, is, they should have won that game. Yeah, I, you know, you say should, but everybody says should. But yeah. Andy Reid's masterful. Uh, they still right. have Tyreek Hill who went off for one hundred and forty. Yards. Absolutely. And quite frankly, their defense in, in Kansas City is all of a sudden playing a little bit better than it has in the last couple of years. And a little bit is all they need in Kansas City yeah. if you can hold the team to 23. So, uh, again, I don't think we should pin every loss on Kirk Cousins. No. And I think overall his numbers show and where they he has Minnesota right in the thick of it in a, in a very competitive NFC. I think he's balling. I think he's playing well. I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, Obviously, uh, a fan always wants him to ball a little harder. Yeah, I mean, but absolutely. He is balling. You're right. I'll give him. I'll give you that. Uh, so I'm. 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 I'm okay with it. All right. Uh, so yeah. So let, today, coming up on Action News yeah. Jacks, we just heard from uh, Sheriff Mike Williams uh, within the last 15 minutes. Uh, what time is it? Yeah, about 15 minutes ago, um, he gave a news conference, a briefing on the search for Taylor Williams. She's the five-year-old girl whose mom reported her missing a couple days ago, said the last time she saw her was when she put her to bed at midnight on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Well, uh, they haven't found her. They've been searching two areas, the house where they lived 
they had just apparently moved to and the apartment complex where they lived before that. And now she is not cooperating with police. Um, sources told us, we were the first to report that sources told us that uh, uh, little Taylor hadn't actually been seen in weeks. And judging by what the sheriff said today, they can't fully pinpoint the timeline for months. For months. Think about that. Yeah. Nobody can say for certainty that they've seen this little girl for months. It's amazing. We were talking about it so, in between commercials. Uh, so uh, there are a lot of questions that the the investigators are still trying to answer right now. And that the very last thing the sheriff said today as he was walking out told the story, in my opinion, which was um, somebody had asked, you know, something like, well, what will it take uh, for her to be more than just, you know, a concerned mother, because that's kind of what they said she was yesterday. And she's not labeled as a suspect. She's not at JSO anymore. They wouldn't say where she is, but she's no longer in that building. And he said, evidence. Hmm. They need the evidence. And they said, and then somebody followed that up by saying, well, if you don't, so does that mean you don't have the evidence? And he said, if we had the evidence, she'd be arrested. So, hmm. so, you know, again, don't know. What that exactly means, but clearly they need more information in order to find this little girl. And, you know, you can read into that what you want to read into it, but that's where we're at. There's, they, they aren't any closer to finding Taylor Williams right now than they were yesterday. And there have been a lot of people looking. They've knocked on 600 doors to try to get information. Yeah. And at this point, they still can't pinpoint when she was last seen in Jacksonville. Uh, there's a lot of uh, news that comes out of Jacksonville, and, and when you do what we do, and, and really John deals with a lot more, but me just kind of listening and watching and, and looking through emails that come across, and you get kind of numb to a lot of it. This You don't get numb to this. This no. is uh, this is a sad what? story at the time, and hopefully uh, if she's found safe and, and all, and, and you know, you think positively as much as possible, but a uh, five-year-old little girl, and and now the, this, is, this is turning bizarre when you can't find a, a little person for weeks yeah. and and maybe even longer it's not looking good i'll leave it at that but i, I will say uh, to, to, to kind of get us off this down and depressing bit and, and 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 it is and frankly you're right we deal with it in news on a regular basis uh but um if i if i can be so blunt and say this is why what you guys do is so refreshing especially for me to come up here every day to do this i know it's part of my job and i my our boss asked me to do this every day but the reality is it's great i get to come up here and talk to you guys about stuff that's you know important to a lot of people but not nearly as important as all this other stuff yeah yeah. and it's a great escape and i know that's why a lot of people love sports yeah you know it's a great escape from a lot of things and um, so, you know, I, I love coming up here and, 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 uh, giving you guys grief and even taking your grief sometimes. <laughs> well, these are, well, uh, John. this is a well, big said. story, big story, uh, in Jacksonville right now. And so, uh, pay attention, CBS 47, Fox 30. And boy, let me tell you really quickly, if, if anybody out there listening, yeah. we've tweeted her picture, we've posted it on our, I mean, her picture is everywhere. Taylor Williams, five years old, three feet tall. If anybody out there, and her mom's name is Brianna Williams, if anybody, you know, has any – listen, this is where we're at in the investigation. Basically, the sheriff just, just said, we need mom, family, and the community to give us more information. That's where they're at. They don't know where she is or or, or whatever happened. They don't know. So 
even if you think it's the tiniest detail, if, if you lived in that apartment complex on the south side, Paradise, I forget, Paradise Complex down there, right by the Avenues Mall, yep. right off mm-hmm. South Side. The States, is it? Paradise, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Paradise Estates, maybe that's right. Um, but there's actually a bunch of complexes in there. That's kind of just the general area. But if you live in that area and you and you've seen her, or you know your neighbor, or somebody that you know, friend of a friend, whatever it is, even as obscure as it may seem to you, it could be the the key bit of information that puts the timeline peg in and gives the the the, the detectives just that ounce of opening that they need to go and find out what happened. So yeah. I, I urge you all to just, you know, think amongst yourselves and see if there's if you have any information, come forward with it because it could break the case. And, you know, that's what we've covered so many of these things where just the tiniest bit of information can break it open. You just don't know what you're holding. Well, so on top of that, I mean, you give uh, a little five year old girl a voice. Yes, you know yeah. because, that's exactly uh, right. Not she many, doesn't have one right now. Really have a voice. So, no. uh, in at this stage of it, uh, one last thought on this uh, yeah. because people are paying attention to this story, even though they listen to sports. We'll get back to the balling and falling on the NFL QBs. But does all family out of town? Is that what we're so, finding so out? Dad there? Is all out of state. Dad is out of state, and mom is from Alabama. So, um, and we've talked to some family members who are also out of state. Uh, so, from all that I have, we have been able to gather, and obviously we've got multiple reporters, the most on the street, if I can say so, uh, working every angle of this thing, um, and and it'll all come together at five o'clock tonight on Action News Jacks. But um, from what we've been able to gather, at least as from where I sit, there's you know it doesn't appear to be um, local family, at least not you know immediate family right here now. There could be other family in town, yeah, yeah. but we, we know we have spoken with some that are out of state. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. there are others that maybe there are some in you know in town. We just haven't spoken to them. All right. Uh, well, more on that story tonight. CBS 47, Fox 30. Stay tuned. Action News Jacks uh, for complete coverage. ActionNewsJacks.com. Also WOKV 104.5 on the radio side, and check out the Action News Jacks app. I know it's a tough story for everybody reporting on it, but. Uh, Hopefully some more updates coming up soon. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, you know keep everybody posted as they come. And, yeah, we'll be on TV, online, everywhere you, you need the information. Go to Action News Jacks. We'll, we'll get it for you. All right, man. And uh, awesome. carry on, guys. I appreciate what you do. Thank John you. John Bachman uh, from CBS 47, Fox 30. Check him out tonight, 5 o'clock until 7 o'clock on the early show, 10 o'clock till 1130 on the lates. And, by the way, we will have Jaguars All Access tonight, 7 o'clock on Fox 30 at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. And I told you this yesterday, and I get a lot of people that ask me the day of, and no guests uh, from players' standpoint today. Uh, they're all on their break in the bye week, and, and a lot of them out of town doing their own thing, so no guests. But uh, we'll have a show breakdown of um, really the first half of this football season, myself, Jeff Lagerman. So check it out tonight, Fox 30 on CBS, on uh, Fox 30 at 7 o'clock from Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. All right, so we put a bow on Kirk Cousins. Yep. Uh, that's good. Andy Dalton's an easy one. Yeah, falling and falling. Falling, fallen, yeah. Next. Next. <laughs> next. Next, uh, next quarterback. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, easy one. Balling. Balling. Captain of my fantasy football team. I salute <laughs> you, sir. Uh, Lamar, I got you, man. If I win the season, expect something in the mail. I don't know what it's going to be. But. I should have written all this down, by the way. One more before we go to a break, and we'll keep it rolling a little bit. We can go through a, a bunch of these guys. Uh, actually, let's take a couple more. Uh, Javis Winston. Oh, good one, man. Um... Listen, I don't care about, about the stats. Uh, I really don't. I'm, I don't know what his stats are, but I'm thinking from just a quarterback perspective, falling because he's had too many games again where he has the turnovers. 
So far, 16 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. You know, he is kind of this close to having a really good year. Yeah. But it's those, I mean, at the end of the day, it speaks volumes. He's got an 85 rating. He's got 12 interceptions. They've got a 59 uh, completion percentage, and they haven't won enough games. I mean, I don't know how you can argue balling, uh, but he, he's balled out in some games. Mm-hmm. Just hadn't been very consistent uh, for them. Jared Goff, did we already do Goff? No, we didn't do Jared Goff. Uh, listen, so Jared Goff has, has fallen. But also you can say Sean McVay has fallen because it's like I say, I think Jared Goff is a system quarterback and he's only going to be as good as Sean McVay's offense allows him to be. Teams have figured out Sean McVay's offense this year, so falling on both parts. Yeah, I would say falling too. You're right. Uh, 86 rating, two, seven interceptions, and the inconsistencies of golf. When's he going to take that step? Because yeah. I agree with you. I think he is a system guy. That system guy, though, played well enough, made enough plays to get you to a Super Bowl last year. It was a great they didn't system. Win it. Yeah. So, but they he did well enough. Mm-hmm. But when do you take that next step and evolve more as a quarterback and kind of say, hey, I got this? And yeah. he's not showing that, which no. is a red flag, especially for a guy who just got a big contract. It is. And, you know, like I said, it is a great system, Brent. I mean, it, it was the, the RPO was the hot topic of last year. Well, teams are starting to figure it out. And I'm like, I, like they were hiring coaches off the streets that shook hands with uh, Sean McVay, it seemed like, just because they knew <laughs> yes, him. they did. You know what I'm saying? So I think teams are starting to figure out the RPO a little bit. Aaron Rodgers, easy. That's balling. Oh, no, no, no. See, and I'm, I'm going to piss a lot of people off in Wisconsin. Wow. Yeah. So coming after listen, and I'm going to get a lot of hate mail here. I'm sure I'm going to make sure you do. I'm going to call you out. Right Aaron Rodgers threw like six touchdowns against Oakland Raiders. And, and I understand that. And he's having a pretty good year. Green Bay Packers are, are playing pretty well. But you're asking me, is he balling or falling? And here's what I have to go off of, Brent. Every single year, Aaron Rodgers to me is either the top number two, or at, at, at the least, the top three quarterback in the NFL. I can name three quarterbacks right now that I would probably take over that Green Bay Packer offense and Aaron Rodgers. Now, a lot of it's got to do with the Devonta Adams um, being out, you know, and having a lot of injuries. I mean, they've had Kumro in, uh, you know, they've had Geronimo Allison in. Uh, they're getting really nothing from Jimmy Graham at the tight end position. Mercedes Lewis is still there. Aaron Jones has been a pretty b- a big blessing in the past game. But I'm saying from what we've seen from Aaron Rodgers and always talking about the MVP consideration, the top one, the top three quarterback, I'd rather have Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, possibly Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson right now outside of Aaron Rodgers in that offense. So from that perspective, I think he's falling. I think in a way he's kind of like Tom Brady in yeah. that sense to you, right? It's yeah. like he started at the mountaintop and you have, and there's only there's not a lot of wiggle room, but it's an honest assessment, I guess, especially coming off this last one. Mm-hmm. How much do you think is LaFleur – and him, because quite honestly, I mean, they're rolling off W's. He has that great performance. Yeah. Everybody's like, wow, this thing's clicking. Every, everything's working. And see, what I think I'd be a little careful of is you got to take this whole thing, not just last week. They, he stunk last week. I mean, yeah. one of his worst performances in in his entire career against the Chargers. But he's also had a lot of very good performances in 2019. No, without a doubt. And it's like I said, Brent, I still think Aaron Rodgers is a top five quarterback in the NFL. He does have 17-2, and two, by the way. Oh, yeah, and, and that's fantastic. But I just think overall, um, from what I've seen, I don't think he's a top three quarterback right now. Yeah. I, I really don't. And if he's not a top three quarterback... Well, then to me, he's falling. Yeah, very good. Uh, how about Dak Prescott waiting for that big new contract? Yeah, balling. Yes, he's been balling. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, he, he's listen, for me, I've got them going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, so he better be balling. Well, and there's also, see, here's the, he comes from a different margin of error than a guy like Brady or, or Rodgers that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Is he playing better than those guys? Mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm just looking at Twitter because I'm getting responses on Twitter right now. I so bet you, you are. For, uh, <laughs> uh, are, are you. Are you? Is he playing? Is Dak Prescott playing better than Brady and Rodgers? I'll That's help you out. Question. The answer yeah. to that is probably no. No. But he can still be balling. Again, it's kind of a baseline test. Yeah. But, so in our, uh, he's got the now a couple of weeks ago when he had three losses in a row and yeah. couldn't score against the Saints and lose to the Jets. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys lost to the Jets, you know, I which know. is amazing. Yeah. But so we get you, would, you would say fallen. So I think overall, yeah, I think Dak Prescott in a contract year with all that around him, with all the expectations, I think he is playing good yeah. football and he's doing what they need him to do. Mm-hmm. They're not asking him to be Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. Correct. Uh, they're not asking him probably to even be Aaron Rodgers, and yeah. that's a good thing. But I think he has balled out, uh, and, and with all that other stuff going on, he's about to get paid in a big way, probably overpaid in a big way, mm-hmm. but that's just the nature of the business. Uh, Kyler Murray, balling or falling? So I'll be honest with you. I thought it was going to be an absolute dumpster fire, not to say it's not, but I think that the Cardinals are – Exceeding expectations, all things considered. David Johnson's been hurt. The wide receiving core has been hurt a little bit. So I think, honestly, I think he's been balling. Because he's doing better than I thought he was going to do. Yeah. My sense of it is I think I would peg him on the side of falling because I think there was so much expectation for this offense. Mm -hmm. And I think there were two places that were supposed to kind of revolutionize and open our eyes and all this stuff from an offensive standpoint. Um, and this is a little bit unfair. I haven't watched every single Arizona snap. I've watched <laughs> enough of them. Last, yeah. week, last week they were on Thursday Night Football. Yeah. But I feel like Lamar Jackson and Baltimore are doing a little bit of that. Correct. Yet I don't really feel like Kingsbury and Murray are doing that. Like I don't get that set. I don't feel like they're taking the NFL by storm. Mm-hmm. You know, And usually at the outset, this is the time to do that. This is the first eight games, the first ten games, maybe even the first season is the time to do that before what I always say the NFL autocorrects yeah. and kind of catches up to you. Baker Mayfield, the guy we'll talk about a little bit later. But I I don't feel like Murray's doing that. Mm-hmm. And unless I'm wrong on that feeling, then I would say he's kind of fallen. He's not – I think there's so much expectation when you're the number one pick. And I think right now that number 32 selection out of Baltimore, yeah. not this past draft, but yeah. last year – they are revolutionizing more things than Kyler Murray and Kingsbury. Are. And listen, I know you don't, you don't want to bring them up here, but who would you rather go with right now? Would you rather go with Kyler Murray or Gardner Minshew? Oh, uh, I, I would say I think Gardner Minshew outplayed Kyler Murray yeah. in the first half of the year. I agree with you. Yeah, and I'm trying not to homer up here. I'm just no, saying. I, mean, sure. I, I think you know. Well, the, he's, he's he's rookie of the week. How many times, Brent? Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, the rookie of the week. Say no more. It's it's a one award. I mean, it's yeah. not everybody across the the country that thinks that. Mm-hmm. And like I saw ESPN do their first half rookie of the year on the offensive side, and they picked Josh Jacobs. Well, Jacobs is breaking oh. records like Marcus Allen had, mm-hmm. and Jacobs is I think like fourth in the AFC in rushing, or maybe it's in higher than that. Yeah, it might be like third in the AFC in rushing behind uh, Chubb, uh, well Fournette and Chubb. So. Like, I get the arguments for that, but I don't think Murray's doing any of that. Like, Josh Jacobs is doing what he's – is outperforming, mm-hmm. and he's a story. Minshew outperformed was a story. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is outperforming is a story. Kyler Murray, he's having moments, but he's a number one draft pick, plays the quarterback. If you play the quarterback position, you're going to have some moments. I just don't feel like he's cap- 
capturing anything yeah. uh, while he does that. we got to capture a break. When we come back, we'll finish up balling and falling with the rest of the quarterbacks, many of them fallen, and uh, who could still be on the rise. An interesting one uh, that I still have to get to, and I can't wait for the answer. That's on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. On the way here on a Thursday. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the show. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. All right, how many freaking quarterbacks are in the NFL? I didn't know this would take this long. Hours to go, buddy. That's right. Like I said, I mean, we've talked about weddings for 15 minutes, for crying out loud. We can talk about this all day. All right, let's go down the list. Brent Morton, Austin Lane. Scott, hanging out with us today. Coos at a wedding, getting married again this year. How many times is that guy going to get married in a year? That's what I'm saying. Amazing. We said Kirk Cousins. Patrick Mahomes, does he count being out? Yep, and he's balling. He's a balling uh, by saw, default. We, we saw our bet on the line, right? What was that? Was it 40 touchdowns or 30 touchdowns? Oh, must, yeah. must have been 30. <laughs> it so was 40. I think it was, 30, I think it was 30 touchdowns. He's got 15 was. and only one pick. Amazing how many chances that guy does take, and he only has one pick. There you go. That's impressive. I still like my chances in that bet. Come on. You think you can get to 40? You never know, man. I might have to... Uh, we might have to find a way to prorate that, given the fact that he missed two games. I, I don't want any excuses. It's all good. That's oh, fair. I'm just okay. saying, like, if we started at 50, right? Because yeah. that's why I said I don't even think he'd throw. Mm-hmm. So if you prorate what he threw in, like, four, what he would have thrown in 14 games last year yep. and knock off the same amount, might have to be, like, 37 or 38. Yeah, that's a good point, because if they're in playoff contention, you know, they they might sit in the last game. So, so we'll see. Um, anyway, Matt Ryan, balling or falling? Uh, falling. And I don't even know his numbers. All I know is that the Falcons are have won one game all season, so he's falling. Matt Ryan will put up numbers and not they just gonna that's kinda of today's NFL. It feels like a little bit like Matt Ryan sometimes plays in the Big Twelve mm-hmm. where like you don't necessarily win but you're gonna put up numbers. Yeah. That's the way I feel like about him. I mean he's he's averaging three hundred yards a game. He's nine his rating's about a hundred, he's got fifteen and eight touchdowns, interceptions. How about this? He's seventy one percent completion rate. Not bad. Still falling though. I, I would opinion. say the same thing. I mean, yeah. that's why numbers lie sometimes. They do. I mean, what I've seen out of Matt Ryan and that team, uh, now their defense is awful too. But yeah, Matt Ryan's at the stage of his career where, and with some of the success and the dollars they give him, where he needs to control the game. See, I always think that's the best thing about a Brady and an Aaron Rodgers uh, and Manning was so good at this. They can control the. The tempo of the game, the style of the game, they can control. Like Manning was the worst because you you kind of knew going in, like you were only going to get like eight possessions in a game. Yeah. Because he was going to knock that thing down to two and one on the play clock. He was going to have a fourteen play drive, at least two of them. Yeah. They were going to get the first down by a half an inch. You know, I mean, it was just he's so <laughs> yeah, precise. I was, hey, I was there, Brent. I know all about him. That's exactly how it was. But to me, that's like. It, that's where you get eventually mm-hmm. as an as a veteran quarterback to be able to do that and control the game. And I think that takes a lot of time to be able to do that. Matt Ryan still doesn't no. feel like he's there. Matt Ryan still wants to go air it out and go strike in one play or two plays. That's that's the sense I get. I, I know that's not necessarily reality, but it's just a different feel about a guy like Ryan who's now been around for quite some time. And there's like this cutoff. You know, I, I feel like Andy Dalton, you know, he has – 
it, it's come to fruition. Yeah. The reason he's done is because they knew he wasn't going to take this next step. Like he kind of hit the ceiling and plateaued. And I feel like Matt Ryan might be in plateau stage. And is this good enough to be able to get Atlanta where they want to go at some point? Dang, they better hope so. They pay him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a fantastic point. And he's not getting a lot of help from his defense, to, to be fair. But at the same time, you got Julio Jones, you got Austin Hooper. You know, the, the running game has been lacking with injuries. But, yeah, it's just this, this is a former MVP we're talking about here, Brent, right? So he's not putting up MVP-type numbers. And granted, his team's not giving him an MVP performance. But to me, he's fallen. All right. Uh, here's the one that I wanted to get to. I have a feeling I know who it is. Who? Jimmy G? No. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Still yeah. on the docket. Yep. Carson Wentz. Ballin' or fallen? <clears throat> Carson Wentz is ballin'. Really? Yeah. Because once again, with all the injuries that the Eagles have, you know, acclimated over the past couple weeks, the fact that Nelson Aguilar wasn't catching easy home run balls, um, Zach Ertz has kind of regressed a little bit, run game's been struggling. Yeah, I think Carson Wentz is the only constant in that team right now that's keeping him afloat. So go ahead and give me Carson Wentz balling. By the way, that Carson Wentz numbers are 15 touchdowns, four picks, but his rating's only around a 93, which I say only, but that's kind of the way it is now in the NFL. Like, yeah. you're only around a 93. <laughs> yeah. Uh, completion percentage for this part of his career now is 62%, probably could be a bit higher. Yeah. It's so funny. If you would compare all the quarterback numbers to even five years ago and where, like, the threshold is now, uh, I feel like Carson Wentz has fallen. I don't. I don't feel like. I don't feel like he's fallen so far that he has said, "Man, I wish they had kept Nick Foles for everybody in Philly." Now, part of that is Foles has been hurt, mm-hmm. so it's not like Foles has been performing. But keep an eye on that storyline. The last seven games, Philadelphia has a real chance to miss the postseason. I, I think I brought this up the other day. What if Philly misses the postseason with Wentz? And what if the Jags rally here in a similar spot as Philly is in? Mm-hmm. And Foles gets him to the postseason. Oh, baby, that would be awesome. Like I told you, we would go do the show in Philly. If that happens, we're doing the damn show in Philly. You're going to mess around and get shanked, man. I don't care. People want to hear that. I'm going to have Philly cheesesteak, and I can't wait to hear all the you-know-what and complain. Well, to to be fair, you know, the next couple games for Philly, they got the Patriots and then the Seahawks. Two two tough games now. They're both in Philly, but two tough games, and they have an easier schedule with the Dolphins, Giants, and the Redskins. This but is the time. It's actually not even this time of year necessarily. About a couple more weeks down the road is where Philly has really rallied over the years. Remember, yeah. they were 4-6 and six last year, and then they rallied and, and got in the playoffs with three straight wins at the end. Now, not all that was Foles. Mm-hmm. Um, Foles, I think, came in through in the last three games he started, and uh, the fourth game he had the pinch hit for. So I think he actually won, like, his four games that he played, uh, but the first one wasn't like him starting the game. So, you know, they know how to rally and win at late. Some yeah. of that's been Foles, but some of that's Doug Peterson. Well, you got to give him credit for that. You have to give the defense a lot of credit too, Brent, when they've rallied in the past. And this year, their defense, especially their secondary, completely depleted. Keep in mind that completely this depleted. this Eagles football team feels a little bit like the Jags' disappointment of last year mm. uh, because they have a ton of money being spent. They've got all these goods, and then obviously some of it, you get hurt, you get hurt. The Jags got hurt last year, too, but nobody felt too bad for them uh, when they did. Derek Carr. Balling. Yeah, balling. Yeah. I saw some numbers yesterday on Derek Carr, like career highs in all these different situations, not like necessarily touchdowns, interceptions, yeah. but like third down conversion rate, uh, red zone stuff, all, all these different metrics that he's having a career year and all that. I, you got to give credit to John Gruden. 
Yeah. And what the well, Raiders have done to this point. And can we please just give Darren Waller the comeback player of the year right now? Yeah. I mean, the dude was in rehab last year. He comes out right now. He's probably the second best tight end in the entire NFL. Fantastic story. Awesome. Uh, really. Uh, Baker Mayfield, we agree, fallen. Fallen. Like yeah. off the face of the earth. Yeah. Trash. It, it, let me ask you this about Mayfield. Like, is it going to be Johnny Manziel esque where it just goes? And doesn't it? Are they going to give him a chance to rally this thing? Will he fall out of favor in such a way that he's they'll, they'll draft somebody? Uh, see, I can't foresee that because I think John Dorsey's still a Baker. I mean, listen, John Dorsey literally kind of hung his neck out for Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he did. and, and I, we praised him. Yeah, and John Dorsey was getting yeah. a ton of love. Oh yeah, at well, the beginning of this between year, between that and getting Kareem Hunt as well. Well, you know, it, like Mahomes. Oh, he yeah, was with yeah. Kansas City and he had Mahomes Correct. and then Mayfield. Like this guy knows quarterbacks. And listen, Wait I know. A minute. I know John Dorsey. You know, I've had conversations yeah. with him in Kansas City. He he's that classic uh, Wisconsin type dude, very proud, um, very stubborn. So my gut tells me that I don't care how Baker Mayfield does this year. I, I can see Dorsey sticking with him for another year as well. Well, I do too. But you never. I mean, if this crashes so quickly, yeah. I don't know. There's some concern about. I, I just feel like he's in a bad place. This is outside looking in because that's what we do. That's what we have to do from here in Jacksonville. But it's more than just the mustache thing. Everybody's having fun with that part. But they're the bad. They surprise me. If they lose this week, look out. Yeah. Look out. Who do they even have? I just did my picks today, too. Uh, but they're at home, and I'm going to find out for you in a minute. Do you want me to tell you? Or? The Bills. <laughs> the Bills, yeah, yeah. They have the Bills. Yeah. Which, in, well, in Cleveland. We're, we're going to find a lot out about that game. One, are the Bills any good? Well, they have a solid, be an impressive win. They have a solid defense. I know, okay. but you got to win games still yeah. at this time. Mm-hmm. These aren't the games like to but me. I'm saying from Baker Mayfield's perspective, like he, he's going against a pretty solid oh, team yeah, and a pretty yeah, good yeah. defense. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is an interesting game for both sides of it, in my opinion. Now, obviously, the Bills can afford to falter, yeah, because they play kind of a weak schedule mm-hmm. for the most part, and they've already started out in front. So to lose a game isn't going to be a killer. It's but it's, it's a must win game for the Browns. And one more thing about the Browns, it's just so crazy to me the fact that if you were to tell me, and, and I get it, Brent, like you you were you were leading the charge, you weren't buying into the hype at all. But like if you look at that roster, man, Odo Beckham Jr., you know, in the prime of his career, Nick Chubb, one of the fastest emerging, you know, young running backs in the NFL. He had a great year last year. You have you had David Njoku who's now hurt, but he was a promising tight end. You have Jarvis Landry, one of the best slot guys in the NFL. Like you have all these tools. And granted their offensive line I guess isn't that good, but I just oh, I thought I, I thought it was too big to fail. Of the regular quarterbacks, and I mean guys that play, Baker Mayfield has seven touchdowns and twelve picks. Oof. Every other quarterback in the NFL outside of Sam Darnold that plays consistently yeah. has more touchdowns and interceptions. Wow. That's how bad that, it's been. By the way, Sam Donald stat. also fallen. Fallen. Uh, we'll do two more when we get back. Uh, that is Jimmy Garoppolo. Which is an interesting one. And Daniel Jones. Okay. And obviously Mitch Trubisky's fallen. Trubisky's fallen. Yeah. No, no need yeah. to bring him into the mix. All right. That's when we come back. Plus Antonio Brown latest. Will he ever play again in the NFL? And does somebody have to steal his phone? <laughs> Two <laughs> big questions. Privileges. That's coming up. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. 
This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. The longest bowing and falling ever. Though, you, actually, we had one this week already that lasted like an hour. What, See, was, what was that one? Uh, uh, that one was, what did you say? You had bowling. I remember doing falling oh, like 45 yeah, minutes later. Oh, yeah, I know later. what you're talking about now. But yeah. see, I like the bowling and falling when it creates some different uh, uh, topics. Yeah, or else it gets me banned from the state of Wisconsin. So thank you. That's right. right. By yeah. the way, your buddies, what do they say? You're not allowed home for the holidays? Uh, and I quote, heard you said Aaron Rodgers sucks. Don't bother coming home for the holidays. Isn't it funny how people hear what they want to hear? <laughs> I don't think you necessarily Rogers. say that. No, I said, in my opinion, he's not a top three quarterback right now. And if he's not a top three quarterback due to his resume and his history, then in my opinion, he's fallen. But what are you going to do? That's why you always have to be a little careful, especially on the radio. Be like, people kind of hear what they hear. Or yep. they hear the end of it, not the beginning of it, not the whole thing of exactly. it. Exactly. But I kind of love it. Keep it coming, Wisconsin people. Hammer him. He said it. Aaron Rodgers. The Keep love up, fest is over. Rodgers sucks. There goes those Wisconsin endorsements that we're trying to get to. He said nothing to the like of Rodgers will never win once he married or got Danica, Danica Patrick. Patrick. Dude, I'm a Danica Patrick fan. Okay? <laughs> don't don't bring her into this. I'm, I think she's awesome. I'm a Danica Patrick fan. Yeah, yeah she's cool. She's, By uh, all she, means, bring her into this. That's good radio. <laughs> yeah, She was fun to cover uh, at Daytona. And, oh, did you and, talk uh, to her? Oh, yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She seems uh, like very like um, I don't know to come out this like this is the bad like a bad way, but like intense. Like she's like oh, very yeah. like dri- like no pun intended, but like a driven individual, <laughs> right? Well like said. yeah, but she's like a intense, driven kind of person. She is. No, no, she's like intense. in that sport, you had to be. Well, yeah, especially racing. when you're racing against all men. Exactly. Yeah, you better be too. I mean, she was changing the game a little bit. So, yeah, yeah that was a fun story to cover. It was, you know, between, uh, you know, you got to go back, I guess now, shoot handful, six, seven, eight years. You know, there was a stretch there. It was, you know, I think Dale Jr. was winning it and she was coming on board and then she led like a, a, a the qualifying lap. Or she qualified. She won the poll. She won yeah. the poll. Uh, and I think that was the first time that had ever happened. And then maybe she led a lap. And that was first. So there's all this fun stuff around Daytona 500. Now that obviously NASCAR and everything else has flipped and, and trying to create new stars. And some of those big names are gone from the sport or at least not driving anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was a big part of that. And that hurt NASCAR when that storyline disappeared, even though she didn't have a ton of success necessarily. Correct. She was still a name brand uh, to that sport. But um, that's got nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers and his fall. <laughs> no, not at all. It's <laughs> a long way to get to uh, that part of the uh, balling and falling. Sure. Uh, okay. We have a couple more to go. Yep. Jimmy Garoppolo, balling or fallen? And they're undefeated. They're, that's the thing, Brent. I don't know his numbers off the top of my head. I know, he did, I I know he did the last game. But anytime you're undefeated in the NFL, I don't care if you run every single down. Uh, the quarterback <laughs> still has some kind of uh, input on it. So as far as I'm concerned, Jimmy Garoppolo is balling. Well, you know, it's interesting because you could look at Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, and look at him the way you might look at Jared Goff with McVay. Mm. And the reason being, and this is more, it's not a, a taken away, it's more of a compliment to the play caller. But Shanahan might be that good. Yeah. Like Shanahan doesn't get the love McVay gets, but Shanahan might be that good. But to be fair, Grapple did it in New England too. 
Well, I he mean, did a little a very small sample. Yeah, man, a very yeah. small sample. Yeah. And, by, and you know what? People consider Josh McDaniels to be a pretty darn good play caller too. True. Might not be a great head coach. Might mm-hmm. that might not work out. But you can be a good offensive mind and play caller, yeah. and not necessarily be a good coach. Great uh, head coach. I mean, it's a good point. So, I would just say I think Shanahan deserves a lot of the credit for what he's doing. He is, by all accounts, a wizard on the offensive side of the football, and he has made that team go. And their defense has been unbelievable. That's They are the ultimate complementary team because their defense has been really good. And they've done enough on offense. I don't think they're lighting up the world on offense, and that's probably your hesitation when you think about Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think there's no doubt he's been balling because if he hasn't been balling enough, they Mm -hmm. would have lost games by now because you can lose games at the QB position. Mm -hmm. If you're asked to do enough not to lose games because your defense is so good, well, then you're balling and doing your job. If you need to score 30 points, your defense giving up 27 like a Patrick Mahomes or whatever, well, then you're doing your job. But there's different ways to do your job, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo's doing that. And by the way, his numbers do shake out. I think he's got like uh, 15 touchdowns, seven picks or something like that, 100 rating. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's fine. He's not he's not an MVP candidate, mm-hmm. but he's been fine. And he's coming off, I think even Shanahan said, it might have been his best game as a pro. And it's absolutely insane. And this is a hot, fresh, a farm fresh, organic take here that I've never said before on the show. But when you're breaking down the San Francisco 49ers, they do this crazy thing where – they run the ball and, <laughs> stop and the run. they stop the run. What's the third part of that? That's all it is. No, there was one other one. No, there wasn't. No, it was only I thought it was run the ball, stop the run, and something else. Nope. Well, there's a part that's missing in my fantasy football season, and that's passing the damn ball every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> no, but, dude, I've always said if you can run the ball and stop the run, you got a chance to win, Brent. Uh, a couple of guys that are kind of halfway guys, right? Drew Brees, uh, not enough evidence. Correct. Uh, and Teddy Bridgewater was What's balling, balling? Mm-hmm. when he was in there. Kyle Allen, got to say balling, right? Yep. yep. Now, if you look, that's another one, right? He is not lighting the world on fire. He doesn't scare anybody in the NFL. Sure. But because of McCaffrey and because of the rest of their team, they've got themselves in a position. And kind of like Gardner Minshew, he exceeded expectations. And for the record, Minshew has played better than Allen from a football perspective. Mm -hmm. But they're winning games. He's won games. Yeah. And I don't, again, his numbers aren't going to jump out and say he's balling, but it's hard to say. He's fallen. No, I mean, he, listen, he's at the end of the day, yes, you have an MVP candidate in the backfield toting the rock most of the game, but you're still leading your team to victory. So, yeah, Kyle Allen is balling. Pretty simple. All right, last one. Let's do this and end it. Uh, Daniel Jones comes your in boy. for Eli Manning yep. and uh, uh, best QB in the draft. And <laughs> Daniel Jones has had his moments. Yeah, especially to start things off with when there wasn't any film on him. Um,. Right now, I'll be honest, I, I think he's fallen. You know, and this is to go off of, I've, I've watched three Giants games this year, not like, you know, my eyes glued to the television, but I've seen enough what I need to know. And listen, you have, it's kind of like the Kyle Allen instance, where you have Kyle Allen, you have Christian McCaffrey, one of the best backs in the league. I think Saquon Barkley, one of the best Good backs one. in the league, and, you know, in the run and pass game. But, and you can call it the offensive line, you can call it a bad defense for the Giants, but for whatever reason, uh, that team can't get going. And da- Daniel Jones can't will them to victories uh, when, when Saquon is either out or not running the ball well. So from that perspective, he's falling. It's a great comparison. All right? It's all about perspective again, because yeah. Carolina's a better football team than the Giants. Yeah, top Around Kyle Allen. Yep. Because if I ask it to you this way, take away records or anything else, is Daniel Jones playing better than Kyle Allen? 
To me, I don't think so. I think, Kyle, think so? I think Kyle Allen's playing better. But I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't either, but if I okay. put them together. <laughs> well, I thought you were trying to lead me somewhere. I was going to like. I want to ask the question without yeah. looking at the numbers. Ah, yeah. But I would say Daniel Jones feels like he's playing better. Like, I feel like the Jag- really? Giants are getting stuff out of Daniel Jones. Yeah. So I don't know that answer. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, 62% completion rate for Jones, 60% for Allen. Close. I'm not going to do yards and stuff, uh, but let's just go to touchdowns. 11 touchdowns to 9. Eight interceptions to four. So Kyle Allen's taking care of the football better. Like I that. think he's uh, Allen's probably played in less games throughout all this too. And yeah. uh, 87.8 QB rating for Kyle Allen, 82.9 for Daniel Jones. Let's go. So yep. it's, it's close. It's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But one year we had like a no doubt balling Kyle yep. Allen. The other one, ah, he's probably falling. Here's the one other thing of note: Kyle Allen, Gardner Minshew, and uh, Daniel Jones. Three young quarterbacks, yep. and you know what they have an issue with? Red zone efficiency? I don't fumbles. Ah. All three have a major problem with fumbles. Hmm. Daniel Jones, I think, has lost like... Oh, yeah. He's definitely... Like the 11 or like, something? Yeah. I think he's lost 11. I think Gardner fumbled 11 times. Yeah. And I think Kyle Allen... That was the book going on at least into that game against the Jags that he loses the ball and puts the ball on the ground. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure what he's done since in that regard, but why is that? Is that a young Man. young QB thing? I don't ever remember it being so prevalent is my point. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously it's here in town, so we're talking about Gardner Minshew, but I've seen if people talk about Daniel Jones or I watch a game, they're like, bring up the fumbling issues. Kyle Allen, when the Jags played him, again, the fumbling issues were like, hey, you can get to the football, strip sacks, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Young guy thing? So, yeah, well, I think it's a young guy thing, and it's the way they play the quarterback position, right? Because Kyler Murray, you don't see that has the, that problem with the fumbles and everything, and I think it's something like this. I don't this. know, though, does well, he? I, I mean, I, I, I haven't heard I, his I name mentioned so. in there. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, you, you can check well, out the Lamar Jackson's not fumbling it away. Lamar Jackson's not fumbling it away. And he's running a lot. And he is running a lot. So, from that perspective, Brent, I think you have three quarterbacks who would prefer to throw from the pocket, who are decent athletes, who can maybe move around a little bit. Because I think Daniel Jones is a decent athlete. Obviously, we've seen Gardner Minshew, and Kyle Allen's up there, too, where they can use their legs to maybe buy them a a split second of more time, you know, but being that rookie or being a younger quarterback like that, you know, like Kyle Allen is being that younger quarterback. It's like, well, you understand where you're not going to burn anybody. You you don't have the footwork to really, you know, take the top off and just run down the field for 30 yards. Even though Minshew has, I say that now, but I think from the perspective of if you're a rookie and you're trying to buy a little more time because you don't have necessarily the best awareness of when the pocket's going to collapse, when the pass rush is coming from behind, if that happens, then, yeah, there's going to be turnovers and fumbles like that. So I think it's just it's a matter of not using their footwork to their best of their abilities and then extending the plays a little bit too long. You know, my overall thought on this is didn't it feel like more quarterbacks are balling? That's why I thought of this topic. Yeah. It's like it feels like quarterback play in the NFL mm-hmm. has been pretty good. Offensive driven league. It is, and I and I said that during this whole display of if you took numbers from five years ago and you look at QB ratings across the board and where the average sit, sits, yep. if you look at the average completion percentage, those are those are numbers that are pretty measurable, you know, and they kind of relate to other things, mm-hmm. completion percentage, quarterback rating. I think if you go touchdowns, interceptions, that one will vary. Some guys have great years, find the end zone, the handoff because they have a running back instead. Yeah, so I yeah. think that one's kind of one's hard to measure. It may be five years from five years. But if you look at completion percentage and quarterback rating, I think you would see a huge spike in where the average is, the median line of that is. 
uh, in terms of those two things. And I think that is a little bit of the offenses evolving in the NFL, the, the shorter passing game, the quick game, uh, and the higher percentage passes. But I also think it's good quarterback play and adjustment from what these guys are good at, the younger quarterbacks especially. And I still think we're getting a mixed bag. Like mm-hmm. if you take the young quarterback group, say uh, within three years, right, from Mayfield to Lamar Jackson to Kyle Murray to uh, Kyle Allen to Daniel Jones to name them. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch, a bunch of them, Mahomes. I think it's still a mixed bag. I think you're just like the other kind of groups, just like the veteran group from Rodgers to Wilson to Brady to Dalton to Newton to any of the guys. I think you're going to get this percentage that's uh, separated across the board of really good eh, and not so great. And, yeah, I mean, the, the, that's a fantastic point. It's definitely, like I said, offensive-driven league. But when you analyze these quarterbacks a little deeper now, and I talked about it a little bit on the show, and I'm looking at the quarterback ratings right now, you know, and I'm looking at the top five quarterbacks right now due to their rating in the NFL. Russell Wilson, uh, Dak Prescott's up there, which is weird, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, Watson, and Lamar Jackson. Those are five guys that can extend plays with their feet. And a few of those guys, like I've talked about before, they have the ability because they're former baseball players with the arm angle. They 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 can make throws that necessarily maybe some other guys can't make. You know where say we saw we saw Deshaun Watson do it where he's getting ready to get sacked and somehow he gets the ball out. Maybe it should have been a sack, maybe not, but he gets the ball out and gets into I think was it Carlos Hyde. You know what I'm talking about? Where the one he threw behind him? Yeah, yeah. That yeah, was, that was uh, I think it was uh, the other guy. Uh, Duke, Duke, Johnson. Duke Johnson. Okay. Well, whatever it is. And I'm not saying Deshaun Watson played baseball because I don't think he even did. But... By the way, he should have been in the grass. That's an in-the-grass play. Here's the thing yeah. about that play. We didn't complain about that play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jags lost the game. But that's a tough play because if you as a defensive end, you're still playing. Yeah. And in that situation, you come up and hit him. Yeah. Well, no. I bet you're getting flagged. Oh, for sure. And but like, I can't can wrap him up. I know. Throw the ball backwards. And to be fair, I'll be honest. If it's Tom Brady, I think that that whistle gets blown, right? I think if it's uh, Aaron Rodgers, even maybe that whistle gets blown. But I think Deshaun Watson be more of the runner that he is. Yeah. I think it's the refs kind of want to extend the play a little more and see what happens. I'm okay with it being extended. I'm just saying I'm pretty sure that if a defensive player had come in at that point and hit him, yeah. they would have been flagged. No, and you I, can't and have I it agree. both ways. No, I I completely agree with you. Um, I do. It's just a bad I, I think it's Deshaun Watson. No, you're all good. But 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 my point is the future. Like, what's going to be the next big thing in NFL? And I think it's still going to be that that mobile quarterback. You know, I think that the days of of like a Matt Ryan, um, you know, the days of like the Kirk Cousins, the Philip Rivers. I don't think those days are over. You know, the, those true pocket quarterbacks, at least what we see right now, um, what the numbers are telling us, I think in the future, like the two was that are coming out, you know, I'm not sure how mobile Justin Herbert is, but I think NFL scouts and GMs are going to be looking at the guy that can extend the play with their feet and also throw the ball at weird angles with their arm. You have a ratings list like highest to lowest? Yeah. Oh, so do I. Okay. I'm going to go to the middle of the pack, okay? Yep. So I'm going to take, like, uh, let's see, the, let's just go to the low 90s ratings. And I'm going to say, Ms. Mason Rudolph, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Tom Brady. Uh, Minshew's kind of in that category, so I'm going to leave him out. But let's just take Rudolph, Rivers, Wentz, Brady. Matt Ryan's kind of in that mix a little bit, too. By the way, Lamar Jackson, I don't have him as the highest, as a rating as high as you do. You looking at QBR or quarterback rating? Uh, I'm looking at total QBR. Oh, okay. You like the QBR stat. So yeah, I was looking at rating. Uh, well, let me stay on the same page as you. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I thought this is going to sound really bad, maybe, but I thought quarterback rating was QBR. No, well, not, QBR yeah, is like that new metric I think like yeah. ESPN made up. Okay, 
which is okay. Okay, but, that's what I'm using. But it takes in a bunch of different things because if you look at the rating uh, alone, like Lamar Jackson's down at a 95. Oh, okay. And that's like that would be like 16th in the NFL. It might even be worse than that. All right, quite sorry. frankly. But my point is yeah. to go along with your lines. I was trying to find the statues, Rivers and Brady, and and even a Mason Rudolph and those kind of guys. They're kind of in that middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. And really, my my more relevant point is. If you take that and say, okay, Gardner Minshew can move around and run around, and Foles most likely won't be that, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> how's that going to translate? Yeah. You know? And, and, and that's the key thing, especially against a pretty good Colts defense. So I guess we could kind of bring it full circle here. I think, like, with Nick Foles, the one thing that the Jacksonville Jaguars right now and Nick Foles and that offense they have going for them, Brent, is the fact that they don't have any film on Nick Foles. Like if, yeah, if, I love that if, part of it. If you're a defensive coordinator right now for the Colts and you're trying to break down the Jaguars, you, I mean, yeah, you're going to watch the Gardner Minshew film because you have to see what kind of offense they're running, but it's not going to be the same, I think, as, as if Foles is in there. So from that perspective, you have a division opponent on the road, but you have a clean slate. You know, like game planning for the Jaguars uh, next week for the Colts, it's going to be hard because, yeah, you can go and watch some of the Philly, uh, you know, like the, the Philly film because you have to go back and watch like where he's like to step up, where he's like to scramble, you know, like well, what are some of his best throws. They're going to watch all the Philly tape of Nick Foles. Fine. But I'm saying in this offense with these weapons, you don't know what you're going against. So the Jaguars have the advantage there. And also in Tennessee, Tennessee is going to have what? The Colts game to go off of and assuming Foles does okay. It's going to be hard to scout with the next couple of weeks. I think once you get down the road, people will have the tape enough yep. to look at it. But really, the only team that probably really benefits at all from being able to see something is the Colts. Mm-hmm. They'll play the Jags again later in the year. We'll see if that game means anything. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't agree with you more, and I don't think people are talking about that enough. We they talked about be. it as why they might go to Foles, yeah. because how much of this offense is not on tape mm-hmm. and how much they might not have seen yet. Because they built this, remember, they built this offense for Foles, not necessarily 100% of what Foles has run in the past, but it was, at least in their words now, it was a mesh between kind of what Doug Marone wanted to do and what they were doing and some of those things, kind of what Nick Foles wants to do, what DeFilippo wants to do. There was like this 50-50 kind of mesh where they, remember they said in the yep. preseason, they're calling it the Jags offense. Of course. This isn't my offense. This isn't Nick's offense. This isn't Doug's offense. Yeah. This is the Jags offense. Well, that was a collaborative effort to get whatever that is. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? I have no idea. And I'm not sure we've seen all of that. I really believe we haven't. Now, I asked somebody, and they're kind of like, well, I don't know how much that's going to. I do. I think that does make a difference. Mm-hmm. I think if you haven't seen two, three, four, five plays in a game, maybe it's up to ten plays in a game. Maybe you haven't seen this variation of it for me. That's all it takes in a football game no, it, to be a difference. And so I think that's a huge advantage coming out of this bye for the Jags. Now, do they utilize it? Do they play well enough? Do they execute it? Eh, those are all stories that we'll find out next Sunday when they play the Colts. But I think going into this one, I think it does put Indy in a, in a tough spot. And I think hopefully the Jaguars utilize all of those kind of advantages to their benefit. Yeah, well, without a doubt. you know, And it's like I said, you can go back and watch some of the Philly film, which I assume Indianapolis will do. But you have to keep in mind, and it's like you said, Brent, John D. Flippo came out and said, well, this isn't necessarily my offense. This isn't Doug Marone's offense. This is the Jaguars' offense, right? It is the mesh. And I think what that means, if we're trying to put a definition on it, we're talking about John D. Filippo is looking at what he has right now, and he's trying to maximize the talent that he has around him. Because he's always been good at that. He was good at that in Philly. I thought he was good at it in Minnesota, but obviously having an old-school head coach want to run the ball more, it, was just, it just wasn't a good matchup between Zimmer and... Uh, and John D. Filippo there for whatever reason. Okay, so now we're in Jacksonville, and 
you can't watch too much film on Philly because they don't have the same personnel, right? Like they, they, they just don't run do the same things because. Jacksonville doesn't have a tight end like Philly did, right? Um, I think Jacksonville overall, I think they have better wide receivers and all due respect to the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles, but I think if you're taking the top three receivers, the Jaguars right now, I think they're very comparable, if not maybe even a little better than the overall top three receivers of the Eagles. So from those perspectives, go ahead and watch the the, the, the Eagles film because you have to because you have to get ready for Nick Foles, but you're going to see a lot more different things from John D. Filippo on this Jaguars offense. Yeah, it'll be really interesting and more to talk about, and I can't wait till they see if they react to that at all, both mm-hmm. in Indy and in here in Jacksonville next week yep. uh, when we put a microphone in front of them. We're going to take a break before we do that. Let's do the happy hour horn. Scott, you got it ready to rock and roll? Yeah, baby, he was ready. He's like, you're supposed to be there at like five. <laughs> Shot tip your star tenders. You're not allowed to when you go back to Wisconsin, apparently. <laughs> new flavors and Vita de Louis recently got a 98 rating. It's new and it's getting rave reviews. Made in Tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Vita de Louis is available in three flavors now Blanco, Reposado, and Añejo. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. For merchandise and more, visit VitaDeLouis.com. Hey, it was fun to talk big picture NFL. Yeah, really haven't done a lot of that. That was but, a good call, uh, man. Got to do that. And when we come back, we talk Antonio Brown. Will he ever play again? Mm-hmm. Load management in the NFL, uh, NBA. Mm-hmm. And maybe just everywhere. Yep. But really in the NBA. Yep. Or should more teams try it in other sports too? Oh, don't is it do as that, big Brent. a problem don't as it's started. been presented with Kawhi Leonard and the likes? But we'll have a thought or two on that. Stay in your lane still to come. And sometimes it takes a long time to learn a little something. <laughs> That's on the way. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, this is Dennis Anderson, the driver of Gravedigger Monster Truck, the baddest monster truck in the land. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Half hour to go, that's it, on a Thursday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's going by fast, man. It's, it's that balling and falling segment. I was going to say, when more you do a 75-minute balling and falling. Yep. You know, it's funny, balling and falling idea, first of all, stolen from Coos. Correct. Really one of the few contributions he's made to the show. Correct. Uh, absolutely stolen, though. Like, just flat out stolen. Absolutely correct. Kind of like it. And uh, <laughs> But it was supposed to be like this quick thing. Yeah. It was supposed to be like, yeah, um, James Harden was balling last night. He had 38 points. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next up, falling. You know, Baker Mayfield threw mm-hmm. four picks. Yep. All right. Next topic. Yeah, that just went seventy-five minutes. Well, and that's fine. And if you guys and you like didn't even that, get to yours, well, well, you probably hey, created some. No, that's fine. And if you're into that, check us out tomorrow on Friday as we break down whose whose rush defense is balling and whose rush defense is balling, <laughs> and then Monday whose run defense is balling and balling. We can just go through every single stat in the NFL, Brent. Yeah, done, buddy, done. Yeah, I, I feel like we have the bye week covered for the next. 
two years. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about it like that. My my initial thought was, uh, you know, kind of bra- like, all right, we're going to squeeze it every ounce out of the Jags here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've still got another week before another game. <laughs> but I was thinking quarterbacks in general just feel like they're playing well. Kind of mm-hmm. what I just said at the end of that last segment. So I was like, hey, you know what? Let's see how everybody's playing. Let's see if it shakes out that way. Sure. And I think if you listen to that segment, if you kind of if we had kept score, I think there'd be more balling than falling. I agree. I think quarterbacks are playing well. At the end of the day, the NFL still comes down to turnovers, mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. And I do think the red zone plays a role too although it's not a direct correlation because i think you have to do how many times you get in the red zone you gave us yesterday a surprise that the bills and the titans are the top two teams in the red zone in the nfl well they're all they're not the top two scoring offenses a lot yeah Yeah. they just haven't been there a lot so efficient you can spend numbers so many ways Mm -hmm. so you got to be a little bit careful uh about them hey quick shout out to the players championship uh big uh part of our action sports shacks dream 18 and they do things year round all across the calendar uh giving back to everybody in the community of course, uh, the first tee established in 1997 by the PGA Tour and other professional golf organizations. First tee provides youth educational programs that build character and still life-enhancing values, promote healthy choices through the game of golf. And the Players' Championship, the PGA Tour, a huge supporter of the first tee. First tee, uh, excuse me, the Players' Championship coming up in March. Tickets already on sale. Also, volunteering is available now. You can apply to be a volunteer at the Players' Championship in March, so you can go to theplayers.com uh, for that. Okay, a couple other topics to get to. Stay in the NFL for a moment. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown. He says, I'm never playing in the NFL. Well, guess what, Antonio? You might really not get that say because mm-hmm. I don't believe you, first of all. If somebody were to say, hey, Antonio, want to come play for us? Here's $13 million or $20 million, whatever everybody's been paying him uh, or was going to pay him. I understand that players can get mad and and principal might win the day for a little bit. If somebody wants to sign Antonio Brown and they put an offer sheet in front of him and Drew Rosenhaus, he will play in the NFL again. There's no doubt in my mind. Yours? Um, Yeah, I think he will. And then listen, did I feel like he tweeted that, right? He said he's not going to. Yeah, that was a tweet. Here's the problem, all right, and, and I'll break it down. There's real probably quick. more than one. Well, when there, it comes there's, to a, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems, but here's a big thing that's going on with Antonio Brown and social media. Okay, where Antonio Brown's listen, you can call him a lot of things, but when it comes to being social media savvy. I don't think he's really that dumb. Okay, I don't think he makes that many mistakes because he understands that he is a circus. And that circus happened in Pittsburgh. The circus went to uh, with the Raiders in Oakland, and that circus followed him to New England. It, it is an absolute circus. And whether it's good or bad, people are talking about Antonio Brown. He, he's always if some if, if he slips up, he's one of the first stories that we talk about. He's one of the first stories on ESPN. He's one of the first stories in national coverage of people talking about Antonio Brown. So he understands that. So he understands that with every tweet that he puts out, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, people will eat from the palm of his hand and because he has that power. This isn't like back in the day when Terrell Owens was doing setups in his driveway because he didn't have the access of to talk to the people like he had with Twitter. You know, I mean, all he had was a camera and news stations and him being without a shirt on a driveway doing sit-ups. And, like, that was the whole circus back then. Well, now it's on Twitter. Now it's on Instagram, Brent. And I think Antonio Brown understands that. And I don't see it slowing down whether he plays in the NFL again or not. It's not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, I, I just believe... 
you know, his comments today of not playing again, he's he's emotional. He's not he doesn't strike me as a man of principle necessarily. Yeah, he strikes me as a man of emotion. Well, and when's the last time, especially athletes like this, that actually sit down and before they tweet something out, they're like, you know what? I'm going to think about this real quick. I'm going to I'm gonna think about how this comes across to somebody. No. If you're a professional athlete, especially like Antonio Brown, and you fall in that category, you're going to be so emotional. You don't care what it says. You just hit send, send, send. And you may be regretting it in the long run like we saw with that guy in Cleveland, Brent, a couple of days ago, where he was actually threatening, yeah. to, threatening to kill people. You know, he was calling people racial slurs a couple of days ago on Twitter. That's that's the way of the world now. You know, it, it is all emotion, and there is no critical thinking. It's just, this is what I feel right now, and people have to know about it. <laughs> the crazy thing is, I'm just looking at Antonio Brown. I think he deleted the tweet. Really? Now that I look at it, because he's now issued, another, unless I just can't find it. But, uh, by the way, speaking of principle, some people do think about what they say, not necessarily tweet, but like a Le'Veon Bell said, oh, hey, no, I'm sitting out, and I'm sitting out. There's plenty of guys you know? that, that, that are, are prime examples of proper ways to use social media to your advantage, to your brand. But there's also a slew of guys who just get emotional and just don't think. So here's his latest, 39 minutes ago. Antonio Brown, I'm just very frustrated right now with the false <laughs> allegations and slander to my name. I love football, and I miss it. I just want to play, and I'm very emotional about that. Dude. I'm determined to make my way back to the NFL ASAP. I mean, listen, I, I don't. This is where I, I even shouldn't laugh. Somebody talked to his agent earlier this afternoon. Yeah, well, oh, they yeah. did, but that's not the first time. That's like the second or third time doing that already, and he's had to delete tweets and go back. And this is where I think there's a lot of people, and I don't think I'm out of line saying this. I think there's a lot of people when it comes to Antonio Brown that really are concerned about where he is mentally and emotionally. Because of this kind of stuff. I, I think it's more than just a tweet or a brand thing or I can do anything I want and all that stuff. I, I mean, you, seriously, I think that tweet has been deleted, what he said. That was hours ago. He gets all this pushback on it, this blowback on it, and now it's deleted and he says something else. Now I want to play in the NFL. Well, I just they're hurt my name. I get his frustration, but it doesn't spark you to do that within three hours. You know, there seems like there's more to it with Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. And there are there are talks or, or rumors or whatever that teams are interested in Antonio Brown if this stuff clears away. Yeah. And I get it because it's a win business. But well, they're not doing this because they want. I want this guy on my team. I want this guy in my organization. The guy's got a tremendous skill set, and if he can aid them win a championship in some way, shape, or form, heck, I even think Tom Brady was up for that. I, I just don't buy it. I think there's a bigger, deeper thing to Antonio Brown, and really one that's not comical or, or anything no. like that. It feels like there's something going on with Antonio Brown with his behavior the last, heck, not just that no. day, but a couple of months. And... and uh, I saw glimpses of that. We talked about it when Juju Smith-Schuster came out, you know, and, like, kind of supported him. Antonio Brown turned around and kind of threw him underneath the bus, you know, and had all these bad things to say about a former brother, about a former teammate. And, and here's the issue. At the end of the day, all this saga with Antonio Brown, it falls on Antonio Brown, okay? It, it falls on the man in the mirror, and the, that is on A.B., but the NFL is not doing him any favors by enabling him. Because let's let's go back to the history real quick, Brent. He had the falling out in, in Pittsburgh. Threw everybody, whether it was the head coach, Ben Roethlisberger, Smith-Schuster, threw him underneath the bus. What happened next? John Gruden comes around and says, oh, well, yeah, he wasn't a great teammate in Pittsburgh, but 
this guy can run the route tree. This guy's a, a you know leads the league in receptions last year. We got to get him on our team. And not only are we going to bring you on our team, we're going to pay you an extra thirty million dollars to come on our team. Even though you said that teams are going to play by my rules, quote by Antonio Brown, we're still going to bring him on because we still want to win ball games. So you enabled him. And what happened when he got to Oakland? All, all this stuff happened with the helmet and just the controversy and all this stuff. Did he hire uh, Twitter analysts to go on uh, make a video? basically, so we could get them cut from the Raiders. It was all this mess. Well, guess what, Raiders? That's what you signed up for. Congratulations. But guess what, Brent? Doesn't stop there now, does it? Then the, the Patriots come on board. The Patriots, who, you know, they've always been the one team in the league who, I think Belichick has that ego where it's like, we can take anybody in. Bring us your bring us your trouble. Bring us your poor. We'll, we'll take you in, and we'll make you a Super Bowl champion because we have the culture to do that. Well, they do that, especially after a guy that just got paid all this money in Oakland and it went by the wayside. Then he goes to the Patriots. Then he goes to, quote-unquote, maybe the best team right now in the NFL, a Super Bowl contender. What happens there? Then more allegations come out, more allegations come out. So this to me, and like I said, this falls directly on Antonio Brown, all right? His behavior, look at look at yourself in the mirror and get, get right. That's all I'm going to say. But obviously there is some more deeper issues that we talked about, Brent. But at the end of the day, the NFL does people no favors. Instead of maybe a team coming out and saying, like the Raiders, you know what? He was here, and I don't think he was all right. We should maybe encourage him to get some kind of treatment. No. All of a sudden, you cut him. He's gone. It's like, all right, we'll see you later. Thanks for coming. Thanks for nothing. Take your signing bonus or whatever and get the hell out of here. And you, you cut ties with him. When you know deep down there's probably something wrong with the guy. So to your point... This is what bothers me about the NFL more than anything. I understand that it, it is a win-first business, and wins at the end of the day mean more than anything else. It means more about player safety. It means more about player mentality. Whatever it is, the wins matter most. But you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing the shield a disservice. If you keep giving this guy chances, you're not asking questions like, is he okay? Should we get him help? No. Just give him another contract because he can catch a lot of balls. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah that's Man, that's good stuff. Uh, and it leads me down the path of let me play the role of the NFL for yeah. those teams. Mm-hmm. One, I think, for, first of all, all the examples you said, you gave a Pittsburgh team that had dealt with stuff for years and years, not just Antonio Brown, and they were good at it. They mm-hmm. could still win. They had enough leadership. Tomlin, he's proven he's a good coach, you yeah. know. Yeah. And then they go to Oakland, who you could consider maybe the desperate team, right? We need mm-hmm. to get winning here. We need to start winning. We'll try anything. We need good players. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a little bit the camp I was in, Jacksonville, the offseason, say, hey, get good players here, right? Sure. Uh, and then you go to the Patriots team, this dynastic team that can handle, that doesn't need Antonio Brown to go back to a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. But they say, we're going to try it. That doesn't work. So we've seen all these different kinds of organizations try it. Yeah. doesn't work. So that's one point. The other point is from an NFL standpoint, especially when it comes to potentially mental health, you have to be really careful, I think, what you put out there mm-hmm. publicly, definitely. Yeah, of course. And then you also have to be very careful what you assume. You know, so is this look like a ra- does this look like erratic behavior? Does this look like something that's red flagged? Maybe it does, but does that necessarily mean he's got issues that we don't know about? We're not sure. But I think to your point, why can't they behind the scenes say something to the NFL? Mm-hmm. Say, hey, let's start keeping an eye on this now this is one of our guys he wore he still is a brand of the nfl like mm-hmm. people relate antonio brown to the nfl you're not separating the two yeah. so every time antonio brown does something it's still like he's an nfl player of you course. know it's not like he's inactive right now even though he is he's not playing but it feels like he's not mm-hmm. and so i think you're right on that i think they've got to figure out a way i don't know what they can do i don't know what they can do legally i don't know what they can do with 
other ways to get people help if they need help. Mm-hmm. And again, we're just assuming that he, he might. I mean, who knows if he does or doesn't. Yeah. But and, and maybe there are program. Maybe there are some things that have happened. Maybe it's more Rosenhaus's job to do that. I or don't just, know. Yeah. I mean, and listen, I'm not saying you have to give him like a full brain and body evaluation and check for CT. Just maybe let him talk to somebody like, you know, like a professional because yeah. something's not I'm telling you right now, something's not all there. And but it, at the end of the I'm day, wrong, is, isn't it on A.B. to take on that responsibility well, he, to do Austin it himself? Said that. Uh, yeah, Austin it is on that, A.B. But, to do that. But he feels like it, the NFL, are they just leaving him out there and then still employing him yeah. at times because it benefits because, them, even if it's for a couple of months. Scott, I'm going to tell you how the story's going to end, possibly, where I'm sure he's probably going to get all acquitted of all the sexual uh, charges that happen with uh, the dispute. That'll get acquitted, and a team that's like on the outer edge of making the playoffs is going to give Antonio Brown a shot. Why? Because he's a good wide receiver. And, and that's where we're going to be at. And then he's probably going to be on a playoff team. Well, Who knows? That speaks to the entitlement part. There's one other part of this from the NFL standpoint. You're not allowed to have collusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's yeah. just a case about that. Yeah. So... If you're not allowed to do that, I don't I don't know what that exactly states, but my guess is you can't be the Raiders and be pick up the phone and be like, Hey, Belichick, I wouldn't do that, man. This guy no, did this, sure. this, and this. Now they've no, got to right. try to they've got to try to vet it out on their own. They've mm-hmm. got to try to get as much information. But at the end of the day, you said it. I mean, they're in, enabling. Mm-hmm. They're in uh, there's more entitlement there because hey, we're gonna give you millions to play for us because we think you we can help you can help us win two or three games and maybe I mean, a Super Bowl. The, the dude, we're gonna use you. Yeah. The the dude literally said if a team signs me, they're going to play by my rules. And I told you when he said that he wasn't joking. He was being 100% serious. And what do the Raiders do? Oh, cool. Okay, we'll sign up for that. And here's an extra $30 million for your troubles. What do you think was going to happen? And here we are. But in this case, it would be beneficial to maybe to the to the player, maybe, to say to actually have a little bit of collusion and say, listen, yes. we're not touching this guy. Yeah. Now, the only way to really do that is put him on the exemplist yeah. of some sort, the commissioner's exemplist. Yeah. And so then nobody can touch him. But, but you know, in a perfect world, you say, listen, this you, we're not helping anybody here. We're not helping mm-hmm. the, the NFL. We're not helping Antonio Brown. And although you think it might help with receptions and touchdowns, it's not helping your football team really at the end of the day by having him on. But you're not allowed to really go along the 32 teams at the owners meetings or anything like that no, and for say sure. that. Yeah. You're just not allowed to. So there's always going to be outliers that are willing to do it. It only takes one team to be an outlier and say, hey, you know what? We don't really care about that stuff. And, we're going to do it. And, and here's, I guess, the an in, in ending here. The thing that, you know, really ticks me off, the thing that really pisses me off is the fact that we're always talking about we have to represent the shield to our utmost ability. The first thing we, we learned when we got to the NFL in our symposium Take care of the shield. Take care of the shield. Well, the shield's not just football players. The shield is everything. It's the collective of owners. It's the collective of GMs. It's the collective of the entire um, machine that makes the NFL go. That That is the shield. Well, coaches, GMs aren't doing the shield any favor by giving Antonio Brown chance after chance after chance. Players are taking care of the shield. How about the owners take part? How about the GMs take part? And maybe set a precedent and be like, listen. Antonio Brown's a hell of a player, and he's one of the best receivers in the league. But we got to make sure that mentally right now he's okay. But teams won't do that because at the end of the day, it's about winning games. So, Well, here's a question, too, about that. Uh, where does the Players Association come in on this? Because can't they take some actions in that case that uh, maybe the uh, particular franchises or the league itself can't take overtly? That's a good call, you know, and I'm sure they've probably reached out. Well, uh, you, listen, you think, to, but, a, to, a, to a fault, the job of the NFLPA is to take care of the player yes. and to win whatever possible and to keep entitlement pre- prevalent. So and what is keep, winning for Antonio Brown? Enabling 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and keep enabling. I mean, that's really the role of the NFLPA, like it or not. I mean, they would say differently, yeah. but they have to do everything in their power to protect the players in all this until mm-hmm. you have something really proven out that there is some, there are some issues or, or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's more than just assumption yeah. with Antonio Brown. I think they have to hitch their wagon to Antonio Brown as much as possible, do everything they can to get him on a team yeah. to, as long as it's within the rules and he hasn't done anything wrong. We'll see about the sexual mm-hmm. uh, uh, case that's against mm-hmm. him. But, yeah, I mean, it, you bring up a really good point. What I thought of is you said, hey, it's all about the shield, mm-hmm. but does the shield have some responsibility to make it all about the player, too? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... And what kind yeah. of liability does that open them up to, though, also, if they start uh, investing an in interest, and then all of a sudden you go, well, what about this player? What about this player? What about this player? And you bring in the history to it. Well, and, and listen, I think if we had an NFL person in here right now and we're having this discussion, I think they'd say we do have programs in place. There, I mean, there are programs that in place that can be utilized. That mm-hmm. player still has to utilize the programs. You're absolutely you know, correct. I think we have liaisons within the team to try to say, hey, you have this. You have symposiums, rookie symposiums, other things mm-hmm. at the player's disposals if they choose to use them so i think no there's are they doing enough uh, is there more of all that stuff i think is in play but i do think it's not like it's totally being ignored i think you bring up a good point scott but you know i think this is the big problem with folks with cte conversation mm-hmm. and the former players yeah. is they don't think the shield did enough for them yeah. Right. And so therefore, we've seen these lawsuits and we've seen the CTE conversation. What about the old the players that everybody knew this was happening mm-hmm. and they didn't make the kind of money that these guys are making now? Yeah. And what's in it for them? You know, that had been a discussion for a long, long time. So I think that goes back to what's the shield doing for the player, for the employee yeah. of the league that is supposed to represent the shield at all times. So it's a it's a back and forth and there's no simple answer to it. And I think it's more, are they doing enough rather than are they doing anything? And, and listen, and if you're a scouting department, if, if you're a front office and a GM, you cannot have it both ways. And by not having it both ways, I mean you can't go to a combine and ask me, because it was done, if, if I would kill somebody, what would I use, a knife or a gun? What kind of question is that? I get it. You're trying to cycle. You know, you're, you're trying to. You're going to have a scout who doesn't have a degree in psychology quiz me on all these mental, you know, questions basically to see what kind of person I am. But then you're going to let Antonio Brown, who just is basically doing whatever the hell he wants and talking bad about his former teammates and showing all these signs of destructive behavior, you're just going to be like, ah, well, this guy gets a pass because you know why? Off lane, he was a fifth round pick out of Murray State, and Antonio Brown's a pro bowler. Like you, you just, in my opinion, you can't have it both ways. Like if you want to play psychiatrist at the combine. And get a, a good uh, glimpse of what the mental health is of each college football player, so be it. But then back it up with the pros as well. Well, and the other part of that is, has the mental health of a guy like Antonio Brown changed over the years? No, that's Now a, that he's a decade in. And it seems like it has, to be fair. I mean, you know? this kind of behavior wasn't this, to, to, by all things considered, this was a, a pretty humble guy, what I garnered from Central Michigan, you know? Who I mean, was, the, the stories you heard about Antonio Brown prior to the last three years were yeah. this guy works his butt off, mm-hmm. you know, this guy, unbelievable, what he does, you thought Jerry Rice worked hard, you yeah. know, to this guy. So all these stories like that, and now it's totally flip-flopped yeah. in a different way, and that's what makes people wonder. I mean, I don't think we're erroneously, erroneously ex- speculating that what is up? What has changed? You know, yeah. what's going on with Antonio Brown? I mean, his behavior, erratic is a good word, yeah. speaks to that something uh, and, might be up. And just one last thing. Listen, if you're the Shield, you know, and you're the NFL offices and you preach that player safety is the most important thing above all, even though I I would say money is, but you guys preach that player safety is, then show it. 
Yeah, yeah. That's all you got to do. Just right. show it. Quick thought before we get out of here. We got stay in your lane and uh, <laughs> it's load management. Yeah. In yeah. the NBA. Just a quick thought. Yep. How bad is this for the league? Uh, the talk is Kawhi Leonard yep. and Paul George. Kawhi Leonard missed two of the eight games so far. Uh, you know, you, you listed on the injury report like 15 different things and mm-hmm. load management was one of them. I, I don't have a strong feeling about this other than the fact that I can tell you, and I think I've told you this story before, that I took Ty down to see LeBron James, and he was playing the second night of a back-to-backer against the Magic, who stink at the time. They really stunk. Yeah. And they, it was late, it was in December, mm-hmm. and I wondered if LeBron James was going to play. Now, we had bought the tickets, but you went there, and you're like, gosh, I hope he plays. I hope he doesn't sit out the second day of a, 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 yeah. a back-to-back road game. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, he played. We got to see LeBron James played. But that, to me, is the issue. You know, you can talk about all these other things. It's about people buying tickets. It's about the consumer. Yes. It's about going to, to what you expect to go see. And hey, listen, if a guy gets sick and he starts throwing up or if a guy gets injured and all those things, that's one thing. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't do anything about it. But if we know this is a plan, uh, it's really hard to ask the consumer to purchase A when you're getting B. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I was that kid as well, Brent. I was. I remember being in middle school. My mom got me tickets for my birthday to go see the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Milwaukee Bucks. And the reason why I want to see the Cleveland Cavaliers is because they have my favorite player, the first guy's jersey I ever had, by the name of Darius Miles. I know. Like, I mean, he didn't really amount to anything, but Darius Miles at the time was my favorite player. Really kind of pushed me. a big me. rookie card, by the way. He had a big rookie card, uh, you know, the, the whole the, 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 the head tap thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be honest, man. Watching him play was a big reason why I chose to go away from hockey and play basketball. Because like I watched him dunk, and I'm like, I want to do that one day. So I was a huge Darius Miles fan. Long story short, we go to the game. I'm all excited. And granted, we don't have cell phones back then, so I didn't know what was going to happen. Well, he had back spasms, didn't play in the game. I was devastated, okay? Worst birthday ever. My, my favorite player didn't play. And... From the fan perspective, Brent, like the, those fans that went to go see Paul George last night, that went to go see Kawhi Leonard possibly last night, and were disappointed to have to watch Lou Williams or Montrez Harrell, whoever it was. Um, yeah, I understand from the, the, the ticket perspective, it's going to suck for those fans, right? Like the, those Clipper fans that went last night, didn't see the Prime show, they're upset, and I, I get that. But on the larger scale... We've seen that when teams do this, like Popovich used to do this with the, with the, with the Spurs, and they had a lot of success late in the year. Yeah. Late in the year. He um, kind of started it, quite he frankly. Did. It yeah. feels like, now maybe others did it, but it feels like he started it. Yeah, and listen, the, the athlete in me, the former football player in me wants to say, well, you guys are basketball players. Suck it up. You're not playing football every single like night. Like I get it. It's a physical game and it's demanding on your body, but many have done it before you. So, you know, step it up. This is basketball. But also like the 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 gamesman in me, you know, like the the the, the observer in me understands that. Listen, I understand you guys have a long season and you're trying to go, to, you know, win, win a playoff series. You're trying to go to the championship, and in that case, you want guys fresh. So I can't knock the hustle because it's worked in the past. But obviously, as an NBA fan, I want to see him, you know, play all their star players all at the same time. The one thought about this too is. They, um, the M- MLB base, Major League Baseball has been doing this forever. You don't know yeah. who's going to the starting lineup. You Correct. go to a game and you don't know who's in the starting lineup. Yep. So, I mean, is it that different? Really? I mean, because there's 162 games? I mean, it's the same principle. Yeah, you're right. You know, I think you'd say it, it is different because only five guys are on the court, and you'd think, like, if you're sitting your star players, you have a chance to lose. But if you watch the Bucks clippers game last night, the Clippers were in the game uh, for, for throughout the whole time. So... I like I said, I can't hate on it. I yeah. really can't. I, I don't know. Again, I don't like it 
I think it's probably. Yeah. I think they should almost give them free popcorn or drinks or whatever when they find out they're not playing. They should do something. <laughs> yeah. I always liken it to a golf course. I think the golf should be cheaper if they have just aerated the greens. True. I mean, it shouldn't be the same. Yeah. Not get the same golf course. Yeah. Right. I like and it. And some yeah. do. I think that way. But I just think that if you're not getting the same product that you, I bought these tickets for, mm-hmm. give me something back in return at the very least. I like it. I guess we'll have to say stay in your lane for tomorrow. It's all good, man. We got right? a little heated discussion on Antonio Brown. I liked it. Man. That was staying in your lane. That was staying in your lane. Time to swerve out of here. Thanks, yeah, Scott. For, for Austin Lane, I'm Brad Morton. We'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47, Fox 30, Jaguars All Access, coming up at 7 on Fox 30. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.